The Protect Your Neck Podcast, 2018 Neckies. It's our second annual award show, so we're giving shouts to some of our favorite things from 2018. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst's work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, except we're doing it in a, a much different way. This is going to be our second annual uh, award show, Neckies, a retrospective show. And of course, I torture you enough with just my voice as is, so we definitely got to give that a break. I definitely got to get some other opinions in here. So I got some of my good buddies from around the globe, Matthew Wells and Jim Edwards. Uh, Jim, you, you, let's introduce you first, man. You're joining us jo- joining us from where? You just came back from holiday or you, you are back in England? Yeah, I was just in Madrid. I'm now back in London. Um, very much looking forward to this. I've just finished off my uh, review of the year for fighters only. So I've been looking across all the last 12 months. We've got some crazy stuff to go through, and it's very, very hard picking these awards. But I'm looking forward to talking to you guys tonight. Awesome. And you can follow him at MMA underscore Jim. And, of course, my man, you know him. We've had him on here as a co-host before. He's got his own podcast, the Slip and Dip Podcast. Matthew Wells, what's up, Matt? What's going on, my man? Glad to be back on your, on your show. It's always fun over here getting some... You know, to pick up some some things I may not think of all the time when we when it comes down to these awards and lists, man. So it's, it's always fun to break these things down with you. Uh, you're not kidding, man. By the way, you can follow him on Twitter at Mr. M Wells Art, uh, and and of course you can find his podcast and his work from there. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like you guys kind of noted, it, it's kind of a crazy year in retrospect. So I, I definitely, even though we have uh, you know three heads from three different places from around the world, we are going to miss stuff, folks. So. Uh, apologies. Thank you for those of you who chimed in. We will get to those as per usual toward the end of the show. Um, uh, you know, and you will help us. You know, pick up whatever we miss, and we're we're not going to be able to hit everything. And a lot of these, we're kind of talking, guys. You know, to kind of peel back the curtain here. We were talking before we started recording. A lot of these are common ground. I think we're going to have a lot of crossover, and that's completely okay because I would argue the crossover that we probably will have. And we, we don't know each other's answers, by the way, or awards, but but I would argue it's deserved, right, right guys? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, man. 100%. We haven't talked about these before, and um, I, I, th- I think it's great. I love this podcast because I think we, we all come from very different backgrounds in the MMA space, and I think we're going to appreciate different things as well. So I'm looking forward to talking with you guys about this. Yeah, that's the key. Th- that's the key thing, man. We all have different different perspectives. Obviously, different parts of the world as well, and different things that we like. But you know, it seems more often than not, we can all be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I like that more than what I was thinking of initially. So, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun to break it down. Yeah, and the way we're gonna break it down, I mean, we could have a ton of ton of awards. You kind of get crazy on that end, but you know, I figure this is a small show. At the end of the day, let's keep the awards somewhat small. We limited it to ten neckies last year. Um, I have them written down here in some of my some of my uh, 
last year's picks, which I'll bring up uh, if, if, if I remember slash if they're apropos as we go along here. But, yeah, we, we, we bumped it up to 12 categories here, guys. Um, and uh, just, I'll just do a quick run-through for the listeners. We're going to start off with uh, best submission of the year, best KO of the year, best round of the year, best fight of the year, best comeback of the year, best M- uh, moment of MMA production this year, uh, coach of the year, Breakthrough fight of the year, breakthrough non-fight of the year, fighter of the year, heartbreak of the year, and feel-good moment of the year. If you notice, we did breakthrough fighter and fighter. Uh, we didn't have female fighter. Um, I don't want to speak too much of this because if we're being honest, a, a fighter by definition is a fighter, and I'm going to certainly make that argument um, in, in a certain way for, for my fighter of the year, and I'm sure you guys got the gist that, you know, you guys know the rules in this podcast. There is no rules. We can we can bend these categories. We're all represented here. But I know that most award shows will separate the Female Fighter of the Year as of as of now in 2018. Maybe as things get more progressive, we'll just, we'll just have it all lumped into one. But um, if, if any of those candidates, let's just say, for Female the Fighter of the Year don't come up, uh, I, I, I know the guys do as well, and I definitely do. I want to make it a point to give those females their shine, so... Just letting you know off the top of the bat, we didn't leave them out for any uh, evil purposes, and we do definitely plan on giving the ladies their shine. All right, guys, so let's, you know what, let's just jump right into it. Let's get dirty. This one was one of the harder ones for me. Uh, We're going to start off, like I just said, in the order. We're going to go the best submission of 2018. Now, um, it can go from anything, guys. Uh, Originally, I was going to be clever, maybe to keep it to just chokes, but I'm like, yeah, you know what, there's... When I was looking at it, the, to me, there wasn't a lot to pick from. Not that there wasn't good things. I just felt like everything was kind of on a similar level here, guys, when I was going through my selections. Uh, how did Before we reveal our list, I guess, uh, maybe starting with Jim, how did you feel about you know uh, your selections and having to uh, tackle this topic when you started researching submissions? Um, yeah, no, it's difficult because you want to there, – there are two things here that you want to go for – either something that's amazingly technical and that you didn't see uh, ever happening or you think is rare that someone's pulled off, where there's certainly a few of those this year, or a submission where you think it's historical, where that that person, you didn't expect this to happen, they pulled it out of nowhere. So I've actually kind of sided with the latter of those two things. I won't reveal my answer yet, but um, like like, like you said, there's two different kind of tangents to go down here. Hmm. Great points. I agree. Matt, what was your, what was your takeaways of this, this topic and your research of this topic? Um, I mean, initially, there's always a couple that come, come to mind. And usually when I think of, like, you know, awards in general, it's like what moved me the most. Not, not necessarily for the move itself, but, like, for the moment, like, when I was watching. You know, whether well, they did have, like, that wow factor, you know, whether it be the significance of the fight itself or just – you know, how the fight played out, and then, oh, oh, shit, that happened? Like, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, there, a couple of those came to mind, and then I did look back. As I as I do, I'll forget about one or two here and there, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's got to be in the list, and then rethink it all after I go back and look. So, Yep, I, I agree. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, guys, uh, not just for this one. Um, for, for a lot of these things, it was, it, was, it was hard to find. And even if you did your research, for example, I went to just the Wikipedia uh, – page for a list of UFC events and I went through every card I didn't go back and watch every fight obviously but I did take the time to look at every matchup on the card go through okay what fits what category anything ringing any bells and when I went through that whole comb I'll be honest it was much less fruitful than what I hope you know the calorie spent for it would have came and 
And uh, so it, 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 they're not always that obvious, you know. You got to go looking at other organizations, like you said. So I think we'll we'll do a fair job of that. But uh, I can't possibly go first, guys, uh, as per rule on my own show. So, um, Jim, why don't you kick us off here, sir? What was your uh, your best submission of 2018? Yeah, so I'm actually going to kick us off with something a bit out of left field, like for you guys maybe, but for me this was, especially in European MMA, this was such a big moment. KSW 42, uh, Mohamed Khalidov faced Thomas Narkoon in the main event. It was a, it was a catchweight bout, so we basically had the KSW middleweight champion, uh, Mohamed Khalidov, taking on Thomas Narkoon. Uh, Narkoon is uh, quite, quite a young fighter coming up, I guess, in stardom in Poland. But Mamik Lidov is an absolute legend of the sport in Europe. And he had not been beaten for over eight years. I forget how many, I forget the unbeaten streak, yeah. but it was absolutely incredible. And basically, in this fight, I, I implore you to go watch it if you've not seen it. It's, it's, uh, I'll repeat it again. It's KSW42. Uh, Basically, Mamek Elidov knocks down. He's the smaller man. He knocks Thomas Narkoon down twice in the first round. Looks like he's coasting on to quite a convincing victory on the scorecards. But in the third round, uh, Thomas Narkoon, uh, basically, he, he gets ta- takes Mamek Elidov down. Mamek Elidov actually gains top position and looks like he's going to ride out the fight. But then out of nowhere, the giraffe, as they call him, Thomas Narkoon, locks on a triangle submission and gets the submission, defeats Mamek Elidov. Hands in his first defeat for the first time in eight years. It was just an epic moment. Again, KSW always pack out the arenas. This one was in Wuch, Poland. And, um, yeah, it was just a historic moment in European MMA. There are so many that I'm sure submissions that you guys are going to go on to, to call out. But this one, like I said earlier, wasn't just, it wasn't just the technicality of the submission. It was just the historic moment. And in the European MMA especially, Nakun. Uh, triangle submission uh, over Malik Lido. That's my pick. that's my submission of the year. Fantastic pick, man. Uh, yeah, that that one I didn't watch live, but because of the just the nature of it, I went back to watch that one, and of course, it set up a storyline down the road. But yeah, that that's a great pick, man. And I, and, I'm, and I'm glad, you know, K- KSW. I think they're gonna hopefully maybe with the the adjustments of platforms, and that's a whole other story or argument and whatnot. But hopefully they. They start picking up more attention, at least from uh, uh, you know Western United States, because I, I love the pageantry and the shows. I know you, Jim, have, have always raved about you know covering uh, as far as being able to see it live. They they really bring the show aspect, so that that interests me. Matt, do you have anything to say about that one before we go to uh, to to your submission of 2018? I have written it down, and I will go back and see it. I have not seen that one, and I mean that was again that's one of the things like I kind of expected coming into this podcast. I was like, Jim's gonna hit me with something I haven't seen. And Dan's going to have me something I haven't seen. But, I mean, yeah, with KSW, like, in general, like, I generally catch highlights when I do, and I don't remember seeing that one. Maybe I did, but I'm definitely going to go back and, and look for that one. Just for the record, not all of my picks are going to be hips. So you just have to pick one <laughs> of the categories where I was like, actually, like, this this is one where I'm going to go a little right field. But, like, I'm glad I did. It, it yeah. literally was such a big moment for us here in Europe. So, uh, there we go. We started off on a good tangent. Absolutely. <laughs> all right matt do you uh you set with yours bud or is... yeah yeah i'm good i'm good cool. all right so um mine I'm, I'm actually gonna go with two fighters that are not from the u.s but it, it, it did take place in the ufc um i'm gonna go all the way back to march um one scott paul craig 
Ah, nice. In his fight against Magomed. Nice. Anikolev, I believe is how you say his last name. I, I don't want to. Anikolev, yeah. Anikolev. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, this was like the wow factor. Like, it wasn't the most significant fight by any means. Obviously, it was significant for both men in the octagon. But when you get worked for three rounds, four minutes, and 59 seconds, and then pull off a Hail Mary, you know, submission, and just like. Everybody in the world, like, like that was watching that fight, like, you kind of had that moment, like, oh, is the fight over? Or did he tap? Like, you know, that whole crazy thing. And then come to find out, yeah, he tapped with one second left. And it's just incredible, incredible moment. And, I mean, for Paul Craig, a guy who's had his ups and downs and, it's for you know, seems to be a guy that's, you know, struggled to get his footing. But, like, also, you got to consider the fact that he was a heavy, 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 heavy underdog yep. in that fight. Yep, yep. Um, and that just added to it as well. Like when you think of an underdog moment, like that's it defined. And just that that moment was just crazy. I remember Twitter blowing up, like everybody losing their shit on Twitter <laughs> when that happened. So that's my that's my pick, even though it's not the most you know significant in terms of like landscape of the sport by any means. But that's awesome, man. Uh, also, we're, we're we're big Anderson Silva fans, so that was really really reminiscent of one of my favorite Anderson Silva performances, where he's just getting dominated the whole fight. And then catches yes. the triangle. I was just watching the yes. replay of that, that the the ankle live Craig. That's a great, that's a great pick, man. Uh, any, anything you you want to add to that one, uh, Jim, or say about that before I, before I, I cap this one off with mine? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that I was there in the arena that night covering yeah. that fight, it was yeah. just uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Like I know, I know Paul very well as well. Actually, he's just one of the guys that um, you know as. as as you do in this game, you get to know some guys better than others. And he's been out training over in Vegas. So I would always, always go out and see him and Mark Godbeer, a former UFC heavyweight used to train out there. That's right. Yeah. Just, just great guys. And like when, when you get to know these people who are like, uh, Paul's got a number of different children that he has to support. And the fact that he was literally fighting for his life and is one second away, uh, from losing his job in the UFC losing, uh, you know, he's not going to get, He's not going to get a big pay job like like he does in the UFC and anywhere else for a fighting career anyway. Um, so just to see him kind of pull out, it does like you know we none of us root for fighters, but um, it does kind of warm your heart when when you kind of see the stories like that happening. It was a, it was a great moment and uh, yeah, like one one of the one of the better submissions of the year. So what well on that great pick. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, Jim. Because I, I, I that's right, I was able to meet uh, Mark and Paul uh, with you for some for some interview work pre-209 now that I remember. And they were, yeah, again, you, you got to stay unbiased, especially situations like those, but you can't help when guys are just salt-of-the-earth type of human beings and appreciate that, and, and those guys uh, definitely are uh, for what that's worth. So, awesome. All right, well, mine, I feel guilty kind of. Uh, this is one of the one of two uh, where I have, have, have two selected because it was that hard. Slash, I was hoping one of you guys would knock. I'll, I'll be honest, my, my strategy there too as well, not just to be nice. I was hoping one of you guys would, would take this take one off my hands, but no. Um, if I have to go, I, I'll introduce them both, but if I have to go one, this may be kind of uh, surprising to some, although maybe uh, obvious in the grand scheme of things. I got to go with with Khabib over Conor McGregor, the, the rear naked choke. Uh, I, believe me, I'm, I'm a hip, you know a hipster technical nerd. If there's that kind of, this is the kind of category where uh, I would go way left field to give some no-name guy the award for doing something cool. Like, that's kind of my approach usually would be for this category. But we didn't have a lot of that. 
Um, and I know a lot of outlets, uh, you know, did the uh, double award when it came to the Suluev stretches, and I thought that was clever and, and fine. I have no issue with that. Th- that was definitely up there for me. But, um, but I mean, you want to talk about uh, things that have impact and storyline. That, that, that also comes up, you know, when we do our, these top five episodes this year on this podcast, that sometimes it's the storyline. It's the context within what happened, right? And uh, it was kind of, you know, Khabib's arrival, so to speak, and all the things that happened afterward. And, and uh, you just see these murals and statues and all these different things being erected. And for the most part, you know, it's like Khabib in, in, having that neck crank choke position on Connor. And uh, regardless of your feelings of either fighter, it really doesn't matter. You can't deny the impact of imagery that that fight now has worldwide. And that happened in 2018. So for that... As far as impactful submission, I'm hard pressed to argue. You know, I know it's not it's best submission, not most impactful, but that's the angle that I guess I kind of went with. So I went with that, guys. But I'll tell you a close second, and I may be biased, and and, and this event will probably get some love anyways um, f- uh, from one of us. But uh, but man, Neiman Gracie over Ed Ruth again. It was just it was a re- you know a rear naked choke. Um, it wasn't you know the most special thing in the world. The, the actually the, the the transitions that Gracie missed in the fight were more entertaining than what he hit on Ruth. Because uh, if, if you remember by this time of the fight, I believe it was the fourth round. Ed Ruth was a bit tired and he got taken down by Neiman Gracie, and uh, and yeah, and he kind of just worked his way there. It wasn't like anything too special about it. But he, again, context. This is probably arguably the biggest Gracie win since you know. Uh, I can hoist, you know, in the UFC and stuff. I mean, when you really think about the context for what it is now, now, now a Gracie is fighting for a legitimate world title, a Gracie with a legitimate tournament win, which is a throwback to their namesake. So I thought that was a really low key, cool, cool sub. Those are my picks. Uh, anything you guys want to add, Matt? Or, or... No, I mean, I, I like um, them. I... I definitely like them, man. They're, they're solid picks. And I like the fact that, you know, I, I struggled with the Khabib Connor thing as well. Because I mean that was that was just a significant moment um, for the sport at the highest level of the sport um, and the be- you know biggest promotion of the sport obviously so there's a lot of things that that went into play for that and then the fact that you know obviously the submission it, it was what it was and then of course all of the moments that immediately followed that made the the moment just go off the rails and everything it, it was just a crazy crazy thing a crazy event and a, a crazy way to, to cap off that that entire saga at least for the 2018 version of it as we head into 2019 and the legal proceedings and then pending rematch and all that kind of crap we'll see how that plays out but yeah i, I love that pick man can i just add one uh, honorable mention which, oh uh, more, more uh, than one if you want go ahead uh, yeah, so I, I thought Tyron Woodley's submission of Darren Till, UFC 228. Obviously, I, I think on reflection, we can all agree that Darren probably wasn't the highest level opponent that Tyron's ever faced. But the fact that the moment, uh, just the fact that he knocked him down, he worked incredibly well in ground and pound. And then just it was just a black belt level submission, I thought, and very well deserving of, of you know getting his black belt from Din Thomas. It was a big high level moment, and he performed and he executed perfectly, which is what you want to see at the highest level of mixed martial arts. I just thought that moment, especially this year, uh, that that was when Tyron kind of showed his class. Not just that he can knock people out, and not only that he can wrestle, but he's actually a black belt jiu-jitsu player. So that that for me was also an honorable mention for me. That was oh. such a complete performance. Complete performance. Matt, do you, do you have anything to add to that or honorable mention yourself? Love that moment. Love that moment. Love the whole Dean Thomas thing with the in the story behind him leaving on fight week to go get the black belt and then to, <laughs> yeah. 
come back. Like we were supposed to actually go get barbecue. And when I hit him up, he was like, I'm gone. I was like, what? And then, you know, he told me the whole story after the fact. Um, but nevertheless, same event, even, um, give me Aljo and Zabit splitting an honorable mention for the Sulea stretches. Amazing. Amazing for two of those to happen in the same night. You know, it just doesn't even happen ever. But, hey, get two in the same night. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to give that one. It's it's fair. It's fair due. By the way, uh, sorry sorry for the shameless plugs. I was kind of sloppy in the beginning. But uh, I appreciate it. I, I always love the interviews you guys do with Din Thomas on the Slip and Dip podcast. But that, that was I was listening to the most recent one, and uh, and yeah, again, you guys, I think you guys referenced that story, but that guy, that guy's that guy's a character, man. He, he's a character that that din. And by the way, go check out Jim's work, Fight Magazine. He's doing some killer articles over there. Yes. Uh, so so I was, was, a little, was a little sloppy with those plugs in the beginning, but you guys are doing great work. Thanks for that. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. All right, before we move on to this uh, next topic, I just want to give quick, just just quick Kiesa versus Condit. That was I know recency bias, but that was a really cool submission. I love Condit, but again, that's there's a cool submission. Uh, Sanchez Cecilia, um, uh, again, lo- low key guys, but I just love that submission. Uh, Al- Aljamain Sterling hit it on Takeya Mitsugaki. If you want to go way back, Jeremy Horn hit it on Chuck Liddell uh, back in the early UFCs. But that that standing head and arm choke where they fall to their back to secure it to finish it off and squeeze it off and guard. Oh man, I I love that. So uh, so so shout, shouts there. Um, all right, next one, guys. Best Ooh. best KO, best KO of the year. Uh, Jim, did you start the last one? Yeah, I did. So let's start start off with Matt this time. All right, all right, <laughs> Matt. Do you do you have a do you, do you, are, are you feeling confident with your best KO? Or is I'm feeling I'm feeling incredibly confident. This was the easiest one for me on the entire list of awards to go to. So, I mean, my balls was hot. Derek Derek Lewis. Nice. Derek Lewis. Nice. Alexander Volkov. Again, it's like, I don't think this will be a trend with my picks of just incredible last-minute comebacks or last-second comebacks. But um, this one... For obviously the moment itself, being getting his ass whooped for four and a half, four minutes, you know, the entire fight, and then knowing, hey, you have to knock out Volkov. Like, that's the only way you're going to win the fight. You're not going to get submission. Derek Lewis is not a submission fighter by any means. So his only option is to go out there looking incredibly gassed, landing the one shot. I think he maybe threw, like, what, combos the entire fight. Yep. So it's like, hay okay, you're <laughs> going you're gonna to land one punch to end the fight. Highly unlikely. But it does happen, and he's just got magic in those hands, man. And the significant part about it was, obviously, that led him to get a title shot as well. So you have to factor that in um, into the overall moment. And then, of course, you get the post-fight interview. You're taking the shorts off, you oh, know, my balls are hot. Just like that that moment and that entire – like that whole thing can go through for a couple of awards, I think, in this podcast. But, hey – like that was by far and away like my KO of the year. Like there's no questions, no questions asked. What I like about that KO as well is that Joe Rogan, as well as I would like to think you, the viewer. I think everybody was on sync with the action. Where like even before Volkov went down, it was like that timbery, timbery, uh, timbering tree effect. We're like, oh, oh, <laughs> and then you see the kill shot coming out. Even after that, you see the kill shot coming to ground upon you. Like, oh. And, yes, and I think we were all like in sync, so that, you know that was a, a, a knockout alone was, was a worthy choice. J- Jim, anything to add to that? 
Uh, I mean, like that Derek's Derek Lewis's knockout of Alexander Volkov was on my list. It was an honorable mention. Um, I don't know. Maybe me and you are going to go the same, uh, Dan. But um, I've got to go with uh, I've got to go with Rodriguez's knockout of Chan Sung Young. Nice, I just can't. Nice, I just nice. can't. Like it's the easy, it's the easiest pick in the world. And like as I said to you guys earlier, there are some that I feel are slam dunks, some that need the recognition just because they they are easy picks, but they actually deserve it. And I, you just can't get away from that, man. The 25th anniversary of the UFC, big platform, everyone's watching, great fight. And then the last second of the fight, he throws something so unorthodox, like you have to watch it 20 times to kind of understand how it all. How, how it all transpired, and it's just, it's not by accident, it's just genius, it's just, um, yeah, it's just like, I, I think Yair certainly caught a lot of flack after losing to Frankie Edgar, a lot of people lost, jumped off the train, and, you know, suddenly everyone went from being that he's one of the best flamboyant strikers, he's one of the most exciting guys in the UFC, to, like, now he's trash, and now, now, now we don't believe in him, and he can't deal with the biggest guys in the sport. He then takes out on the on a big platform, a big platform. Well, not the biggest platform, but a big platform. In the last second, goes nearly goes the distance with him. He's losing, and then pulls that out of nowhere. Like I, I don't, I still, I still have to watch it 500 times to understand how he did it. But I, I, I enjoy it every single time. It was just an epic moment of the year, and like I'm sorry, it has to be the knockout of the year. On the anniversary, no less. Anything to add to that one? I got to imagine that was high on your list as well, right, Matt? Yeah, that was number two on my list. <laughs> all right, all right, there we go. Number two on my list. Yep, yep, okay. So, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that whatsoever. Yeah, it was on the anniversary show as well. This was, uh, I know it sounds terrible, the first two we started off of where I have two circled, but yes, this was the other one where I had two circled. Because that was one of them. There was no getting around having having this one on there. It was it was amazing, you know, for all the reasons that, that, that you articulated there. But the other one I had on my list, guys, and this is uh, this is definitely more of a hipster pick, but... This one I had on my list circle because I don't make this my pick now, I guess. We'll, we'll make it my pick. Uh, because this gentleman scored two knockouts in one. So that alone, if you're able to get two knockouts in one, that's pretty good. And that's C.R. Bahadurzada versus Luan Chagas at UFC 224 where C.R., he hits Chagas with his front kick to the liver that you know gives that back to that timber effect he started doing the timber effect but with the body shot he's crunching over and he's literally already fallen over his base like the fight probably would have been called uh, because it's just the way he would have fell but on the way down cr bahadurzada runs up and just not sucker punches him because they're in a fight and he, he he charges him forward he doesn't come from behind him but almost like a sucker punch like here let me get one last in there and knocks the guy out he already stopped him with a body shot but you know what Watching you hit the ground from a body shot isn't enough. Let me knock you out on the on, on the way out, and then he goes out the, and he hits the ground out cold. It was insane. So, do you guys remember that one at all? Or? <laughs> I do remember it. I do remember it. That was that was just a crazy moment too, man. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it when it came to this list, but hey, that's a that's a solid pick, man. Yeah, it's a solid pick. Like I think we all remember that fight. It's like one of the like I, I guess like fight you went into not thinking you were gonna remember it, but you kind of do at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys have any um, honorable mentions uh, 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 for this for this category, Jim? Yeah, like what Matt said, like that Derek Lewis knockout of Alexander Volkov. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a never been in a media room where like a knockout has caused such a reaction. It was just utterly incredible. And like, I, I include like McGregor's knockout of Aldo. 
Like, I was in the arena at that point, but just seeing the press in the back react to Derek Lewis knocking out Alexander Volkov <laughs> and then his post-fight, his post-fight kind of uh, uh, interview, it, it was just a great moment. It was a great moment, 100%. Love it. Matt, how about yourself? Any other honorable, honorable mentions you want to get out, uh, get out there before we, we, we move on? Um, I mean, there was a couple, but, I mean, I think the best ones we've already kind of talked about um, – I guess I would go back to uh, Luke, Rock, Luke Rockhold um, losing to Yoel Romero. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, kind of like the follow-up punch there. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> forgot about that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good one. No, that, that was the a good follow-up one. punch that was just completely unnecessary, but, uh, you know, it's in gift form all over the, all over the interwebs right now. So yeah. I'll just read off a couple I had. I felt like there were uh, the top was pretty pretty skim, but there was some really solid right below that. Um Ortega Edgar, I wouldn't have minded anybody being that number. Their number one, that was a big one. Uh, Cormier Miochik, maybe just for for impact. Uh, mm, Aldo yeah. Ste- Aldo Stevens was a body shot knockout, and it was Aldo resurgence. Heoni um, <laughs> uh, Barcelos is like cartoon uppercut over Kurt Hullaba, like uh, a couple months ago. It just looked like out of a cartoon. It was like he was he was just kept hitting him with uppercuts the whole fight, and then finally like hit like three in a row, and it was just it knocked him out. Um, and then also the last one, I just had a uh, shorty Torres knocking out Jared Brooks, or should I say Jared? Brooks. Oh my God. Yeah, you guys I know forgot the about there, that. The body slam. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh yes. That's so great. <laughs> People aren't aware. Uh, Jared, Jared Brooks went to body slam shorty Torres and uh, Torres made an adjustment midair and, uh, and, uh, yeah, Brooks landed on his head, knocked himself out. So that, that for those who don't remember that one. Yeah, I'll just sense. add um, Nathaniel Woods knockout of Luca Rayo Vian in March in Cage Warriors got him. He actually that got him into the UFC. That's actually that was an awesome you, knockout. That was a very very good knockout. It's just yeah. it was just a right hook, but it was just one of those ones where it was timber all the way down. It was crazy. Like uh, just like, just a few shouts to Roberto Soldic in KSW as well. KSW forty five. He knocks out Drickus Looper Sleets, get his revenge, win his uh, KSW t- uh, title back, and then at KSW forty six, like there was another. Like it was a late, it was a short notice opponent, but he, he absolutely slept him. So Roberto yeah, I Soldic. I saw that one. Yeah, a, I saw that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It was like dig a grave for that guy. It was. It was. <laughs> it was bad. It I was, didn't see it, it live, but bad. I saw. I, I I saw the 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 gif come through in my timeline. Oh, and I was like, oh okay, yeah, I gotta so, go watch this. Yeah, that guy might actually be dead. Like, no one's actually yeah, heard of him since. Yeah, I was going to say dead that. end. <laughs> Vinicius Barroja, he was called. Um, but good luck to him. Uh, good luck to him. I hope he's still alive. All right, guys. Next category. Best round of the year. Um, I, I, I'll kick us off with, for, for this one, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what what you guys what you guys came up with and it's probably apropos i kick us off for this one because this is the the one uh i did that i wrote an article uh for uh for mma junkie on uh i drew this one i was happy to draw this one because this was one of my one of my favorite uh favorite categories just just in general and it it sent me down a spiral i i uh, i started watching even like best rounds in boxing and that was a whole different spiral onto itself but i always compare i bring up boxing because i always compare like Hagler and Hearns, uh, which was just you know a classic uh, round round one in in, in, in in boxing history, and bringing that model over to MMA, I felt like uh, for me the Jimmy Manoa versus uh, Tiago Mojeta Santos was that was that for us this year. A lot of good rounds, and hopefully we can talk about them here in a second. But uh, as as my article would give way, uh, yeah, this was 
this was my round of the year. Uh, it was my first pick, and then I, I did my due diligence and looked at all the other possibilities, but I just ended up back on this one, guys. Um, I really loved it. I think at one point, uh, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but uh, Thiago Santos throws like an elbow, a jab, uh, fakes a shot, comes up, throws a roundhouse kick to the head, follows the momentum of that miss to a jumping, spinning, tie-style roundhouse kick to the head, uh, another left hook, shoots a takedown, gets a takedown, all within a span of 10 seconds, does like seven moves. It was just insane, and uh, I actually picked Manawa to win, and it was an important fight to him. It was a close fight, but I, I was like, you know what, I think the natural light heavyweight, you know, he's on a 2-0 uh, loss. This guy was just talked about in title contention, you know, with DC and Cor uh, Daniel Cormier last year, and now he's on this big skid, right? He's had not the best showings. He's got so much to lose. It, it looked like he put everything into this training camp at All-Stars, leave no stone unturned. And he didn't want to go away because, kind of like Hagler, he got hurt early in the fight, dropped and rocked like twice, um, and uh, and had to fight back. And he eventually lost, of course, but just the valiancy to, to what he showed and ended up almost coming toward and hurting Tiago Santos toward the end of the round. Um, I loved it. Uh, I mean, uh, I definitely want to get your guys' round of the year, but, but did – do we have crossover? Does this does this hit on your guys' list for you, uh, 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 Matt? You want to go first? Yeah, it was definitely on my list. Um, it was, you know, I, there were. This was obviously like one of three fights that came to my mind immediately when I see the category. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, everybody was picking this around <laughs> the year, so I tried to go away from it. I know, it's I tried tough. to go away from it, but it was absolutely like you see two guys out there like that weren't thinking about feeling out each other whatsoever. There was going to be no, no light jabbing, you know, <laughs> no, no game planning. I'm going to go out there and button mash. Like there's a 60 second timer above yes, this and you got to yeah. put the around. And that's what it felt like. So it was just an incredible, crazy roller coaster ride of a fight for as long as it lasted. Yeah, it's like that Dane Cook joke uh, where getting hit by the dodge. Like, he doesn't know the buttons. He's just hit, he's using Eddie Gordon and Tekken, but he doesn't know how to play, so he's just mashing buttons. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. Jim, what about you? Did that, 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 uh, that one uh, hit toward top of your list? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, Jim is from the UK. I know him very well, and uh, we're always interested in his fights. And like, Because they're normally either knockouts or they're great fights. That, Like you mentioned, that fight with Blackovich and... Uh, London was great. Underrated. A, a, a lot of people kind of accused Jimmy of being a bit chinny, but in that fight, he kind of showed that he could actually pick himself off the canvas and kind of at least attempt to fight back, and he yep. certainly did. Yep. It was one round apiece heading into the third, and he just got outworked in the third. And so heading into that Tiago Santos fight, that Jimmy Jimmy said a lot ahead of the fight, saying that Tiago Santos didn't belong at that weight and that he should have stayed at, I think it was middleweight, but. You know, Tiago Santos is not a guy to be not a guy to be messing with. His volume is ridiculous. I, I don't Same. think he's the most intelligent of fighters, but um, when someone puts that volume on you with that amount of power, like Jimmy, it was just too much for Jimmy that night. But he put up a great fight, and like like you say, that whatever round you look at, it, it was just it was just a non-stop action fight. And that sounds very cliche, but it, like. That you know, if you can look up in the dictionary, non-stop action fight. That's the one. Well, while we're on you, Jim, why don't you uh, why don't you give us your round of the year? We'll keep this flow going. Oh man, just um, I have to. I know this this is a bit terrible, but just Ferguson Pettis round two. 
was just ridiculous. Yep, Absolutely yep. crazy. Like, just the, the fact that the, the fight was so back and forth. There's so much blood. Both guys look so game. Even at the end of round two, Pettis has obviously cut very, very badly. And it results in the end of the fight. But I've never, I've never actually seen a fight where it's, it's so crazy. The crowd are enjoying it so much. Yet they respect the doctor's stoppage because they know something's gone. They, they know yeah. one of the guys is so badly hurt. Like normally you get booze, you get people like you go on social media and people are like, this is bullshit. We want to see the third round. But actually, to, I, I genuinely did not see a single person in that arena that night. And I was there actually like saying, nah, 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 this is wrong. This is the wrong decision. We want to see the third round. No one said that. It was a good stoppage. And um, yeah, no, I just thought I just thought that whole fight, and I'll come on to it later, maybe when we go on to the fight of uh, 2018, but that, especially that second round, it was just epic. Like, it had everything, had everything you want, had you on the edge of your seat, had submission attempts, it had blood, it had like amazing strikes and knockdowns, and people coming back from adversity. It was just, I loved it. Yeah, those guys earned their money that night, and uh, so yeah, I, I, no, no, no one can can be mad uh, if anything. Should be praising the coaches that made that call because uh, those guys already earned their money at that point, both of them. Uh, so, yeah, Matt, do you have anything to add to that as we segue into yours? I mean, to kind of piggyback what Jim was saying about that fight in that moment, you know, after the fight was over, um, yeah, 100% agree with the fact that, you know, nobody was like upset at the stoppage or whatever. And just the fact that Anthony was still like, so hyped like <laughs> he was like that was awesome you know like like bro you just got your ass kicked and you're bleeding all over the place but he was like still in good spirits about it like yeah, it didn't yeah. seem to like drag him down which is i mean i guess it's kind of a cool thing you know anthony's a guy he's made his money in the sport so i don't think he's really got to worry about too much on that aspect of the things so i think he really is a guy or one of the few guys that go out there just to have fun but of course obviously still trying to win so, you know, losses don't necessarily bring him down as much as, you know, maybe some. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was it was a great moment for the sport. And, you know, I'm glad that we got that stoppage. And it seems like this year, this year we've seen more of those. And uh, hopefully that continues on in the next year, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely. Um, so, Matt, what, was, uh, what, what ended up making your cut? We got Pettis Ferguson, Manuel Santos. What's the, what's the third one to round out our round of the year here on the panel? Oh, man, you know, I can't go without bringing up the most dangerous, the most dangerous MMA superlative in all of MMA. Third round Romero. Oh, yes. <laughs> third round Romero against Robert, Robert Whitaker. Yep. Um, yeah, at USC 225. Um, again, it's like I don't understand how Yoel does this. I mean, I think he just, like, coasts. For two rounds, like he has a two-round feel-out process, and then comes out and just like unleashes all hell on whoever's in the cage with him um, in the third round, and uh, that was just an incredible moment for that being that high level of a fight on that stage, and Yoel doing Yoel things in the third round, um, and then of course you go to the next round, and you know the rest of the fight plays out as it does, and ends up being a split decision. I actually scored that fight a draw, um, which is crazy to do. You know, in MMA, but hey, it happens. I wish it happened some. You know, I don't necessarily wish it happened more, but hey, if it's it was if any fight's going to be a draw, I think it was that one. Um, you look at the fifth round, but that third round with all the action, considering how the first two rounds went um, for Yoel, and then to come out and just 
put those hands on him, man, and, you know, put him on the canvas a couple times, and it's just being like Yoel Romero doing Yoel things in the third round. I love it. Great, great round. Yeah, round three Romero ended ending up being a round of the year winner. Does not surprise me at all. For what it's worth, uh, I had it a draw as well. But yeah, the round itself was just amazing. This was right here neck and neck for me personally uh, for, for 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 the round of the year because this one was so was so was so back and forth. Um, yeah, Jim, do you have any, anything you want to say about that round? Yeah, I mean, it's just that whole fight was amazing. Oh, that, yeah. The whole thing when when you watch it, it's very hard to. Uh, Maybe that's the reason why I didn't actually look into it too much with that fight for round of the year. I just thought we'll come into in, in, into it in a minute. Just that whole fight was just incredible. Like it's one, it's so hard to pinpoint one round of uh, Romero Whitaker two, which was just the the outlier. But yeah, like I, I totally agree with Matt when, when you kind of break it down round by round. Round three, you, you got to agree that that was a pretty epic moment. Yeah, it's cool because it made you watch the rounds a little closer. And uh, you really, what I like about the round three is that, you know, Whitaker really fought his way back back into that round. Whereas, you know, and, and it really started making that argument where, like, I would think that he fought it away from a 10 8, but then them still being under the quote unquote new rules where more lenient 10 8 should be given out, then, well, now 10 8's back into play. And which yes. is so, <laughs> which was the whole maddening thing. But I, I like the whole back and forth nature of it. Um, I'm just going to get in a couple honorable men- or one honorable mention is all I have out, to be honest. Uh, Sanhagen Al- Alcantara was like my hipster pick for this one that I was looking at. Uh, but that one was more cut in the middle. Uh, it was one guy literally first half of the round and another guy in the last half of the round. But the thing is, it was almost fight ending in different ways where Sanhagen's almost getting his arm. He's getting his arm bent back towards gross and he's bending with it. Alcantara's going regular arm bar, Russian arm bar, belly down. Like he's, he literally hit three different arm bars, broke his arm with it. And Sanhagen gets out and then using the same busted arm, uh, rains down just a maelstrom of concussive blows, almost getting the fight stopped in that round. So it was like this, it was a tale of two rounds. Uh, that was the only other honorable mention I had. Do you guys have any thoughts on that honorable mention of your own Jim? I, I just want honorable mention. I thought you might actually hung up on me if I actually had this as my round. <laughs> uh, round 12, um, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Oh, oh yes. my God. Oh, yes. Literally, literally my favorite round madness. of combat sports of the year. That had to be. That was absolute madness. Literally just uh, Tyson Fury doing his best impression of The Undertaker. Literally my favorite. It's actually genuinely, I think, my favorite sporting moment of the year. Like, how can you top that? Just the, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. Every, everyone knows what I'm talking about. That was just literally absolutely epic. And I absolutely love that. Great fight. Great fight. I love Deontay Wilder. I love Tyson Fury. Can, can, let's just laugh at those two fights. No one cares about Andrew Joshua. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. I, uh, I've been on this boxing history kick, like, for the last two weeks. So I, I, I'm picturing... Th- that moment living on in the annals, so to speak. That's awesome. Matt, anything to say or, or honorable mentions before we move on? Oh, man. Um, no, I think, you know, Jim kind of threw me off there. We're <laughs> 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 going over to boxing, which I, I know, completely agree. A can of I mean, just, just, just the memes and everything that came after the fact, too, man. I'm so sorry. I had to, I had to go there, though. Come on. Tyson. <laughs> yes. Tyson. Tyson's my boy, and it was just, um, yeah, I just, I just, that moment was great in combat sports. Like, we, yeah. we have to appreciate it. We have to give a nod to it, at least. Yes, Def- I love it. Definitely. I love it. Well, you were just kind of teasing it, Jim. Let's, let's, let's roll right into it, my friends. I think you're up first to bat again for best fight of the year. 
Uh, obviously, oh, this man. this category is a, we go go a lot of different a lot of different routes with it. But but Jim, what what did you end up with? Oh, I'm gonna go. You guys are gonna hate me for this. I'm just gonna because I'm gonna get the same pick. I'm gonna get Anthony Pettis, Tony Ferguson. I'm sorry, I just absolutely love that fight. UFC. Uh, 229. I just thought I just thought it had everything we loved. Like it was, we were all. I think everyone in that arena is waiting for another fight. Everyone's waiting for Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov. So it was always going to take something special to get people invested into what was going on in the octagon that night. The co-main event just delivered like tenfold. Like just the fact Tony Ferguson's coming back from a crazy injury, which he shouldn't, he shouldn't even be walking, like let alone being fighting like a high level former UFC lightweight champion in the Octagon in the co-main event of the biggest event of the year. It was just, yeah, it was, it was just incredible from start to finish. It was breathless. These guys didn't need to talk shit about each other before the event. It was literally the opposite of what happened like 30 minutes later after that fight. And it was, um, yeah, it was just everything we loved. And as we talked about earlier, like, yeah, it, it was the perfect Daniel. Like Duke Rufus just saying enough is enough pulling his fighter out there when he noticed that the, the injury was too bad. Every, both men gave absolutely every single last drop of effort that they had in their bodies that night. Everyone appreciated it. Everyone showed them the love. I just love the fact that Anthony Pettis and Tony Ferguson, two of the, the best fighters we have in the UFC, two of the most entertaining people we have, got that kind of platform. And like, I think everyone, their, their next fight, people are going to really take a notice because... Uh, it was a Conor McGregor fight card. Everyone was watching. And um, I, I just really appreciated that fight. Maybe it wasn't the epic ending that we've had or, or I guess, the five rounds that we had with Romero and Whitaker too, which was also another fantastic outing. But, yeah, for me, Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis just had everything I loved about the sport in it. Yeah. The one thing, oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say one thing about this fight. You know, I, I agree with it being there. Obviously, I, I went a different way. But, um one thing about this fight we haven't talked about yet is the fact that Tony Ferguson was coming back off that knee injury, too. Yeah. And he went out there and put on that type of performance, which is just is, that just adds to it as well. So And having a fight, uh, you know, uh, as the uncrowned champ, because let's be honest, he, yes. he had a belt that was taken away from him outside <laughs> of the ring. And he has to fight again on the not just fight, but like what Jim said, bring interest to this fight, help bring interest to this, this, this card and do his job under the guys who are fighting for his title, where... You know, uh, not to criticize either guy at the top, but if you wanted to criticize, you know, Connor, Connor had the opposite path to Tony as, uh, uh, did as the, to the to the title, right? Let, let's be honest, is the complete polar opposite path. One guy gets to the front of the line, while the other guy has to go through murderer's row, setting a, a win record amongst all the almost all divisions next to you know Max Holloway, so to speak, um, just to get his shot. Whereas uh, you know, and, and whereas Khabib, people weren't questioning his legitimacy so much but he did technically get to that title after tony so what i'm trying to say is that tony got to that title first before you know not before one guy but also had a harder road than the other guy so you could argue that he was almost more deserving but there he was without a belt and all the odds against a medical advice saying no don't fight and he still did it you're right i'm glad you brought that up matt that definitely adds a, a, an important fold to that story for sure for sure um, Matt, I think you know while we're on you, man. I think you think we are on you for for, for best fight. Where where did you end up for the best fight of, of 2018 for, for your, your your calendar? Uh, mine mine's kind of one that a lot of people are gonna go with, and it's it's Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. Great pick. Uh, and you know it's one that didn't see the final final bell or anything like that, but 
it also kind of was one of those fights that kind of teetered on the, hey, this is kind of getting a little brutal, like the one we were just talking about, Yeah, <laughs> you know, for uh, for Gaethje. So, um, but yeah, anytime Justin Gaethje gets in a fight um, or gets to, you know, show off his skills in Octagon, you know you're going to see something absolutely insane, whether it be him taking an incredible amount of damage and still winning the fight or <laughs> his opponent doing everything he can to put him down with no success. But Poirier finally broke through that, you know, that seemingly like impenetrable force field that surrounds Gaethje <laughs> when it comes to like actually putting him out in a fight. So good, good on, uh, on Poirier for doing that and uh, giving us one of the best moments of the year for sure. Awesome. Jim, anything to add to that one? Yeah, I mean, that was mass- That was kind of what I was conflicted with. Like, it was such a good fight. We all enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, well, I can understand why Max, Matt's got that top of his list. It was it was very hard for me not to pick that fight, along with uh, Romero, Witzka, too. Me, too. This one was right up there. Uh, Poye Gaethje was probably, like, like second on my list. Uh, again, kind of talking back to Jim's pick, uh, the lightweight division, when I, what, we, what we're able to watch right now, guys, is... To me, like the the early 1980s in the middleweight division with the Sugar Ray Leonard's and you know and, and, and all and all the Roberto Durans and all these big names kind of facing each other. We go look back, the Hagler's and Hearns and you know all these different guys kind of facing each other. I feel like that's what you know I, when I watch guys like Poirier or Pettis or Ferguson fight. Uh, these ones are going to be remembered. Um, I love that fight because it was like two cars racing and like wheels were falling off, a door's falling off here, and you're like, okay, who's whose car's going to make it to the finish line? And uh, it was Dustin Poirier's, and, and, and man, uh, I, I feel like uh, this repeats last year because, you know, I think Gaethje, uh, Gaethje Alvarez maybe it was, uh, almost came for number one for me, I think I want to say, last year, and uh, ended up losing to Whitaker Romero 1 as my fight of the year last year. So this year I got to go with Whitaker Romero 2, guys. That, that's my fight of the year. You know, we, we've talked about it, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but I just love, even though it didn't end in a finish, it was one of those fights where both guys gave everything, and kind of to the uh, analogy I just gave for Matt's pick with Poye Gaethje, like these guys were falling apart. Like you know, the first one it's, it's Whitaker's knee, and in this one it's his hand in the first round. Uh, then in the in the second round, you know, Romero loses one eye pretty much, his eyes to go swollen. <laughs> so these guys are like losing body parts as this fight's going and having to adjust. And it was insane. It was tactically insane. Like Romero comes out orthodox so almost the whole fight. Like fighting like in a shell, which he's never done. Like it was this complete different fight you got, but you still got the same amazing following the storyline. It felt like it felt like one of those. It felt like boxing fights. You know, we're talking about boxing, and the reason why I ended up going with Whitaker Romero not just this year but last year is one of those fights where you have the storylines in between corners. Like, oh, what's going on here? What are the adjustments? And you're you're taking the ride with them, man. I love fights. It's very hard to do that in a five round fight, but but they did it, so they 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 win the award for me. All right, uh, I love that pick. I love that yeah. pick as well. Like, Not mad like, at it. Totally deserves it. Any uh, any honorable mentions before we move on, guys? Uh, I'll just say real quick: uh, Jared Gordon versus jo- Joaquin Silva was an awesome fight. I know there's recency bias that was on the last Fox card there, and uh, uh, Zabit Magomed Sharibov versus Kyle Botchniak was just a fun one, especially in person at UFC 223. That's all I really got. Yeah. Honorable mentions. And obviously, Korean Zombie versus Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, of course. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, it was just entertaining throughout. Like, we can't forget that. had not had the epic finish, but it was also... Yeah. The, like, we'd probably be talking about it as a part of the year if it kind of just petered out to the, the decision. So, there it is. 
Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, next category, best comeback of the year. Now, Matt, I'm going to have you kick off on this one, but just to preface it for the audience, you know, comeback, it could be, it doesn't have to be a fighter. It could be a, a non-fighter outside of the cage. It could be an organization. You guys could really get creative with, uh, with this one. Um, what, what did, what did, what did you end up, uh, what did you end up uh, going with a uh, uh, um, uh, Matt? And before I guess to, to preface it, how did you approach the topic before you, you give us what you what you went what went with? Um, I I definitely took you know the the open endedness of this uh, category to heart when I uh, when I chose my pick. So um, I, I didn't go with a fighter or a fight. You know, I definitely went with uh, you know a little bit something different because I mean I think it's a bigger bigger storyline for the year, the yeah. landscape of the sport as well. And I, I guess I'll go ahead and get into it. And I went with an organization. And um, even though they didn't necessarily have a downfall, but come back in, in the sense of, hey, everybody's talking about you right now. So one championship. Wow. With, nice. with, with, their, with their big free, I guess you'd call them free agent signings. I don't know if you want to call them that or not. But all of the moves they made this year when you, you acquired Demetrius Johnson's, your – you know, just like Misha Tate's over there now, Eddie Alvarez, like these guys, I mean, obviously Misha's not fighting or anything, but just acquiring these big names that people will gravitate towards when you see, when you put them, you know, in association with your fight cards. Um, these are just big moves to make um, for for someone that's not named the UFC. Right. And to, and to do it all in the same year, seemingly like, like, hey, we're making power moves. And we're going to try to, you know, really drive this home that one championship is a major player in the MMA landscape. Um, you know, they got the streaming deal uh, with Turner, or it's more like a streaming deal, you know, not necessarily a network deal. Um, but just incredible, incredible moves this year, man. And really kind of, I guess, you know, for us stateside, you know, one championship is obviously a big thing over, you know, overseas. Um, for a stateside, it's like UFC and then Bellator and who else? And I think one championship really wets themselves in there, right up there with Bellator yeah. as that number two spot this year. Now that's a great pick, man. That as far as you know, organizations go, I think it's one of those picks too that if they keep this trend, we can look back at 2018 and go, wow, that was a really huge year for them. They made some real crucial moves uh, as far as that goes, and and. And Jim, as I, I bounce it over, as I just bounce it over to you to weigh in on, on Matt's pick real quick, what do you think of that? You've actually covered one shows, correct? Askren's last last fight uh, with that promotion, if I'm not uh, correct, right? Yeah, 100%. I think some 2019 is going to be a big year for these guys. Like, I think you guys have probably seen all the reports that came out on Bloody Elbow about their finances like like i work in the startup world in in, in kind of business and these guys are very much about i guess um making bigger of what they are and by that i mean their revenues their, their <laughs> take exposure. it so you make it <laughs> yeah exactly and like there, there is a bit of that there there is a bit of that and i think people in who don't understand business don't really kind of understand their necessity to do that I think they come in for a lot of criticism because they are acting like a business startup. This year, they've invested heavily. They've got some good investment that has come in. They've spent heavily already on a number of big guys that they believe are going to get them to that next level. Eddie Alvarez, Sage Northcutt, Demetrius mm -hmm. Johnson. 
I'll be honest with you. Guys. Sexy Yama, I, I remember. Yeah, that's what I'm yes. looking forward to that walkout, Name. baby. That's all I need. <laughs> Sexy Yama. All I need Sexy is that walkout. I'm, t- I'm tuning in just for that. I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I got told about the, the Demetrius Johnson move from UFC to one championship when I was in Vegas in October. And I just remember telling me a few of my close friends who were with me that week. Uh, I think I believe it was for the Connor fight. Now I told them about this stuff I'd been hearing and these sources I had, and everyone turned around to me like, "Bro, you're crazy! If you report <laughs> this, you're you're literally like, no one is ever going to believe anything you ever say again." And of course, a few months later, it happens. That's life. That's life for re- reporters and journalists. You don't have the sources like your, but it's like. You know, these guys are making big... The, the story is, these guys are making big moves. And this 2019 is going to be a big year. I think Matt's totally correct going for this. I think it's a great comeback. I think we all forgot about one uh, for a long time. But uh, in 2018, they made some big moves. They've set themselves up now. 2019, this show in March, I believe in uh, Tokyo, Japan. Um, yeah, uh, the debut of Demetrius, uh, Eddie Alvarez... Uh, I believe there's a Angela Lee taking on, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the uh, one championship, uh, strawweight champion, but she'll go for two titles. It's just it's just the biggest fight card they've ever put on. So let's see what it can do. I'm interested. They, they've got me interested, and I think they've got a lot of people interested. So uh, great pick, Matt. I'm excited for that. All right, uh, I think I'm next in the slot. We've been going as far as flow goes, so uh, I guess I'll, 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 go, I'll go next. But mine, you know, I really... Again, I mean, kind of off-brand, I guess, for, for old hipster Dan here, but uh, I, 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 I opened that category on purpose for you guys to take the storyline aspect of it um, like that, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad. I'm glad Matt did. We'll see where Jim ends up on his. But I actually ended up back at a fight for mine, man. I ended up back at a fight, guys. It was, it was, just, it was just one of those – this is more of a personal choice for me. Um, just because I, I I love adversity, like whether watching a fighter go through adversity or even in a, in a in a gym session, like if I if I'm lucky enough to catch a submission, which is so rare, uh, that actually doesn't excite me as much as getting out of a bad position. If I'm able to like sweep and get out of a bad spot, uh, I'm, I'm I'm way more happier than that. So that kind of says to my proclivities there. But uh, UFC 224 and another pick from this card, uh, Jack Hermanson, a guy I liked. He fa- he faced Talis Latez and. Come back in a literal sense because within the fight, uh, the second round, Jack, as the commentary thinks, he hurts his knee when he gets taken down. But he actually pops a rib and, and breaks breaks or pops a rib out of place. I can't remember. They're both painful. And he is wincing in pain to where Goddard almost stops the fight because you, you can misconstrue a verbal submission if you if you yell. The referee is allowed to stop the fight. Um, and it was getting to that point. So Goddard warned him and said, let me know you're all right, Jack. Like, is he, like he's, he's going to stop it. And... Jack could barely even signal to the ref that he was okay. He just kept fighting on. Got mounted by Talos Ledes. Gets put in a head and arm choke, which is significant because his last loss in Brazil came that way to Cesar Ferreira. Not only that, Jack Hermanson was 0-2 in Brazil. Lost to Thiago Mejeto Santos as well. And to where when I saw this booking, it wasn't that he couldn't beat Talos Ledes, and I believe I picked him to win. But it just made me nervous because he had his worst performance and had, you know, Jack admittedly struggles, struggles with performance anxiety and it hit him hard during those Brazil shows. And I'm like, you really want to go back to the place where they're shouting, you're going to die, you perform poorly, and you're facing, you know, another, another kind of tough, uh, tough matchup. And he does, and he ends up coming back out of his corner hurt um, and gets the takedown, jumping around, gets the takedown. Uh, and, and and pounds out Talis Latas for uh, for the stoppage win. He, he could barely. He was on his stool. Had a flag wrapped around him. 
uh, could barely stand for his post fight. They had to do it sitting. Like that's just everything you want to see uh, as far as overcoming adversity in a fighter's heart. And I, I couldn't help but pick pick Hermanson Latus. Uh, not, mad great pick. not mad at that. Great. Not mad at that, man. That's one of those fights I didn't see great live, pick. but I did, you know, read about it, you know, on Twitter and everything. And I do need to go back and watch that one, man. I, I just I haven't had the chance to yet, or at least remember to do it. But again, I'm writing that one down to go back and watch this. I don't blame you. Done. It's crazy. Things go by <laughs> fast, man. But it, it is one that's worth uh, worth rewatching. Jim, any thoughts on that as we segue to yours? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I've met uh, Jack. Jack a few times. I know getting into the UFC just meant everything to him. I met him first at Venator three in in, in Italy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, right. just before just before he got into the UFC, and I just know for a fact that you know it, it means everything to him. And I'm, I wasn't surprised by that performance, but like still, when you see guys go through adversity like that, a broken rib. I, I think I, I don't know if anyone, if you guys have ever ever had one it's it's literally the worst pain ever and he he managed to beat a, another living like human being in a fight it's it's unbelievable unbelievable it's great it's great come back the year yeah i've only had a torn cartilage or popped out by the cartilage uh, on a uh, on one of the lower uh rib rib vertebrae and it hurt to sneeze to turn on a light switch i can't even imagine if he broke one but uh, in there. oh you too yeah you too matt Yes. Rolling and jujitsu puts your body in some weird situations. And yeah, that happened to me. Yep, yep. Jim, what was your comeback of 2019, sir? Slightly hipster, a bit like everyone else. Um, I'm going to go with the KSW heavyweight champion, Phil DeFries. Like, you guys probably haven't even heard of this guy. The, the, the story behind Phil DeFries is uh, I mean, he was cut from the UFC in 2013. He was beat by Matt Mitrione. He lost back-to-back. He had suffered back-to-back defeats to uh, Todd Duffy, then Matt Mitrione. He then went back onto the kind of the Japanese and the, the UK scene for a while and just basically went win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. But what, doesn't, what people don't really know is the fact that he suffered from depression for a very, very long time. Mm. So, like he, like, he was battling a lot, a lot of inner demons up until this year. Where he got the he got a very random call. He put together two wins, uh, one in Japan and the, uh, sorry, one in Russia again in M1, and then he actually won in um, uh, Bellator in December 2017 against uh, James Thompson. Like he was just genuinely on absolutely no one's radar. He then comes into KSW KSW 43 as a late minute, like late last minute replacement for the KSW heavyweight title fight. Beats one of their like big guys called Mikhail Andrasik, and then goes on um, to win the KSW heavyweight title against all odds. And this is a guy who suffered from de- from depression. He still is suffering at this point. And then later in the year, goes on to defend the title in London. KSW 45 beats Carol Bedoff, oh, and and Carol Bedoff, former KSW heavyweight champion. Everyone's expecting him to lose this fight. And he goes on and wins it by submission again. Keylock submissions. It was just, it's just one. It's under the radar. It's just a feel-good story of 2018. It's, it's a great comeback. It's a guy who lost his place in the UFC, battled depression, and then went on to win a major uh, MMA title in Europe. I love it. That's a great pick, man. Yeah, that guy, that guy fought Stipe, uh, I believe, as, as, as well in his uh, UFC run. Man, that's that. That, that, that's an awesome pick, man. I, and the, the context on that, I, did, I wasn't aware of the context. I, I, I would see him on results throughout this year, but I didn't string it together the context of that, man. That is that, that that's an awesome one. 
Um, do you guys have any honorable mentions before we, we, we move on? I mean, like, you could go World Series of Fighting, PFL. Like, like sure. no, I know they're not yeah. the same company, but, like, we know a lot of the same people are associated with that organization. Like, I, I, I you know, I haven't met one person who, who said they didn't enjoy PFL this year. It was great. It was a great form great format we saw some great storylines at the end people willing winning one million dollars but you know it's, it's great to see i enjoyed it yep yep i i do as well uh, i'll just add a couple in just uh uh arnold allen versus mads burnell was a fun in-fight comeback he was losing the whole fight uh, as a heavy favorite then gets a guillotine and Kaliyev craig we kind of already covered and uh fedor you know fedor himself you could you, i wouldn't have been mad if any of y'all mentioned him but uh yeah that, that's all i got for honorable mentions for that one all right, guys, you know what? On that beat, let's take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to knock out the rest of the Neckies for 2018. We're handing out awards for our favorite moments. We'll be right back here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Cucarachas enojadas. Protect Your Neck podcast for the 2018 Neckies. We're handing out awards for our favorite moments in MMA uh, here with Jim Edwards and Matthew Wells. But it's actually my turn, guys. Uh, I got the steering wheel up. Uh, I'm up on deck for it, I guess you, you could say. And uh, we're going to be tackling best. This is kind of the weirder titled one, guys, so I apologize. But best moment of MMA production. Now, just to preface this for the audience, um, and as well for ourselves, you know, we, we, we could have gone many directions with this one, just like the last one. Uh, it could go from a production package, a promo package, uh, a walkout, um, a, a, a TV show or, or, or internet show. Um, you could really have gone many ways with this one, guys. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll start it off. And I kind of went with um, a walkout slash tied to an event. But the walkout represented an event. I know it, it's chalk. It's recency bias. It's... Uh, whatever you want to call it, ethnicity bias, I don't care, it's, 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 there's bias, I'm, I'm coming clean guys, but it was Alima Le McFarland's walkout, Bellator Hawaii, slash Bellator Hawaii, which I felt represent Bellator Hawaii in the Blaisdell Arena, I know I'm biased, I was there covering it, but it was, it really, it came through, it seemed to come through the TV screens, I mean, here, I, I'll, in fact, let me turn it over to you guys, uh, we'll start with uh, Jim, what did, how did it come through on, on your end, just, just watching it as a viewer, uh, or, the, or what do you think of the I pick? Mean, if you think the pick's garbage, tell me it's garbage too, you know? <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. I've also gone with the walkout as well, so I'm kind of glad that you've gone first. Because, um, yeah, it was special, man. Like, you can tell sometimes when you're just in an arena and the setting's right and the, and the walkout's right and the crowd just get into it and you can just tell that that was a very special moment. Like, I can't personally relate to it, but I can see that everyone in that arena uh, in that arena and so many people watching back home could kind of like get into it and like I loved it as well like so sometimes you can just tell something's a special and that was one of them awesome awesome uh, Mr. Wells what about you how did, how did, how did it come through for you uh, it came off incredible like I it's one of the things like I wish you know the UFC would implement somehow some way I mean 
you know, let these guys show their personality and show their stories more through their walkouts. I mean, it it, it alludes to the pro wrestling side of things that, you know, is near and dear to my heart. So <laughs> that's what I love about it. Uh, I love that, you know, you can do more than just walk through the crowd and have your name splashed on the screen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I know we're talking about the walkout more than the uh, reaction, but I will say, you know, it – I mean, it was special for someone like me for many reasons and would have been special anyway, sure. And and not that we need to compare, much less split hairs, which is what you're doing at this point. But, you know, to hear other people like, like for example, to be talking with like Esther and Casey who have covered their fair share of MMA shows, let's just say to them comparing it to like stuff like, uh, you know, Connor and Dublin was just in, insane to hear as well as far as uh, noise, energy, and passion. So that definitely made me proud to hear, you know, that 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 – that my my my, uh, my people, so to speak, showed up and 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 represented, but that wouldn't have been possible if uh, you know Alimalay McFarland didn't deliver. But that walkout really set the stage for her to deliver. So I just wanted to give give that shouts and and Bellator for kind of embracing that uh, more Japanese style MMA. You know, Mr. Coker there does does a good job of embracing that. So hundred percent. All right. Uh, I don't even know who's next. I, I guess Jim, we'll go. We'll go with you next. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go for something a little cinema. I mean, it was. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Darren Till's uh, walkout at UFC Liverpool, nice. first ever UFC event in Liverpool. Um, the, I, I mean, the context and the background to this, maybe you guys didn't get so much, but uh, Liverpool the night previous had lost in the Champions League final. Uh, Darren had obviously missed weight. There was a lot of depression around that. Obviously, obviously losing that Champions League final as well. And then Molly McCann earlier in the night, the only other Liverpudlian on the card, gets choked out unconscious in front of her hometown fans. So many of the Brits are losing. Craig White gets like decimated by Neil Magny in the co-main event. What you guys don't understand is how down the arena was before that moment <laughs> and then suddenly you get Neil Diamond uh, Sweet Caroline coming over and like um, Sweet Caroline is like a song they play at um, Anthony Joshua a lot of the like big time boxing fights here in the UK so that's why it resonated so much uh, like a lot before a lot of the Anthony Joshua fights you'll see Wembley Arena or wherever Cardiff they'll, they'll play that song to get the crowd hyped and I think Darren kind of tapped into something quite special there. Everyone in the arena just went, you just forgot about the last 48 hours where everyone was so depressed. And the, and the UFC did it well. Like, the UFC kind of did it well. If you go back and watch the kind of production, they kind of played the song and just Darren's walk out. It was just perfect, like, man. You go back and watch it. You can see it on YouTube. Just go on the BT Sport uh, YouTube channel and you can see the whole thing. And it was just a very, very special moment. And it just kind of flipped the night on its head in terms of everyone's depressed to everyone's actually up for a main event fight. It actually ended up not being the best fight of, of all time at all. But um, whatever, that that moment especially, just for me, that, that was a, a great bit of production. Um, I have to obviously tip the cap to KSW as well. Like, I mean, I, I've been to... Yeah, a lot of KSW shows now. Just just all of them are ridiculous. They're just so good. Like, I remember being in, um, what was it, Vegas this March. I can't remember the UFC event. It was uh, Cyborg versus Kunitskaya. And I yeah, actually yeah. missed KSW 42, Narkun versus Mamakilido in Wuchpoland. And I just remember sitting in my hotel room that day just thinking, I'm in the wrong place. I should be in Poland <laughs> right now. 
And, um, yeah, it's just like, like if anyone, anyone from America or from the West Coast, or from the West, West side, just get the opportunity to come over to Europe to witness KSW event. If you're an MMA fan, I think you'd, you'd literally leave there. It's just seeing the level of production is beyond anything else you see, uh, from Bellator or the UFC. So that I'm, Tipping my hat to KSW, but I'm giving it to the Darren to walk out here to Liverpool. Nice man, I, I like the tip of the hat there. I definitely it's on my to do list for KSW. But uh, uh, I'll just say really quickly before I pass it on to Matt to weigh in on that and give his give his pick. But uh, I, I just want to say, yeah, I enjoyed that as well. I know it has different meanings, whether it's soccer or I think baseball. I don't know if it's the Boston Red Sox play that Neil Diamond song to get the crowd kind of going. And it's a song that a lot of people poke fun at or, you know, it's not a, a well-liked song. And I get that. But I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with, a, you know, whether it's United States or in anything going on in the U.K. as far as sports cultures or, or, or and those little tie-ins. So I got into it. Like, I just as at home, like, I really dug it. I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and I, uh, I, don't, I really enjoyed that moment shamelessly. So I don't blame you for having it on your moment. Matt, Matt what, did you, what did you have to say about that moment before you give us your favorite moment? Yeah, you know, like what Jim was saying about like how the whole arena was down and then, you know, they get up for that walkout and then, you know, Darren goes out there and loses to Steven Thompson and then magically won the fight on the cards. Oh, 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 uh, um, no, um, it was, uh, I forgot about that part. That was a good part. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about that part. That was great. (laughs) I love the way you slipped that in. Love it. No, this is a fantastic moment, man. Anytime, like, I think it could have been, honestly, it could be really, like, any song. As long as the entire arena is singing along with it, it makes it that much special. Yes. Because it's like everybody's in unison and we're all feeling whatever it is that's blaring through the speakers. I I thought it was a cool moment, though. It came off really well on TV. And, you know, obviously I was definitely in tune with all of the the Liverpool things, like with them losing the night before and Darren Miss Wade, like, 100% 100% agree with all that. And, uh, yeah, it did culminate to a pretty cool moment in, in, during the walkouts for sure. And the lead, the lead for, the record, for the record, can I just say that I had Darren losing that fight? Like, I know a lot of people <laughs> give me shit about being Darren's homeboy, but I actually, if you look at my reports for that night, I actually had Darren losing. Just, just FYI. That's how, I had, that's how I had it, too. But, yeah, no, it was great. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm a big fan of crowd vocals, being a punk hardcore fan. You're right. Crowd vocals make the difference. Maybe that's why I can, I, you know, I, I appreciate a hooligan chance and everything in between. I it, Crowd vocals, man. I love it. Let's do it. All right. 100%. Let's jump to the next category. Jim, you're kicking us off on this one. Oh, so I didn't get mine. I didn't oh, get mine. Oh, you didn't give yours yet? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I didn't forget. We're getting caught up in Darren Till's moment. My bad. Matt, what is your, what is your, what is your moment of 2018, sir? Best moment of production, right? Production, yes, right. sir. Okay, so, um, you know, you guys went with walkouts and all oh, that's cool. Like, I think when I think of production, I think of, you know, like video packages and things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go away from the promotion side, like the actual promotional video things. Um, I have some honorable mentions that I'll mention after the fact. Yes. But I'm going to go with, like, a guy that's trying to break through, that's put out some great stuff. Um, and I'm talking about Will Harris with Anatomy of a Fighter. If you guys have watched his, they feel a little bit like embedded, but they're a little bit different in the fact that, you know, these are more personal. Um, he's got incredible access, obviously, was what he needs um, to, you know, produce what he's producing. But I, I love the fact that, you know, it's a different look. It's a different angle. And there's nothing really, I guess, kind of pulled 
pulled out of it, you know, for like the promotional's interests, so to speak. Right. But uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's he's a really good storyteller, and I, I like what he's been doing with Anatomy of a Fighter, and um, you know, he's done some good good stuff over the past couple of years. So that gets my shout, and I guess to kind of piggyback along that, I'll, I'll roll my honorable mentions into that as well. Please, please. The the fighters documentaries that they do on themselves like the champ camp with you know tyron woodley chris cyborg's things that she's done um you know aljo's video packages that he does i like to see fighters do that kind of thing because the promotion isn't always going to be the one doing it for you so i like to see you guys go out there and get in front of things and, and you know put together a group of you know a cameraman or a, you know one or two people to to show the stories going on behind the scenes so i really do love that the ream Reem did his own series yeah. over Reem. He was one of the yeah. first guys, when you look back in retrospect, he was kind of... One of the pioneers of yep. the self-series, right? Yes. Exactly. It's Marco. It. I, I, I second that exactly. I had, I had. speaking of honorable mentions, I had Till Walkout, which we already covered. And uh, Risen. Risen had a bunch of awesome walkouts, you know, uh, this year. A lot of production pieces, whether it was like... Kyoji Horiguchi and his karate instructor who passed away. Then obviously, you know, um, Kid Yamamoto uh, with that. And like, yeah, I mean, there were some really awesome video packages. And, and I will say something I wasn't aware of. Uh, apparently, Bellator has, has, has long done some low-key, really good video packages when you're at their live events. And I didn't realize yeah. that, but they've really stepped it up. We just posted one on MMA Junkie, The Blue Corner. And I heard the story. It was familiar with the story when we were out there. Uh, with a guy that just got a contract, a featherweight, to sign with Bellator. He was uh, an Iraqi uh, freedom fighter side of uh, our U.S. forces. And, uh, you know, it's, they just so they were telling these guys stories. And his was like he, you know, was contracted to drive the Humvees through Baghdad. And, like, and, you know, his brother lost his eyes during a bombing. And they uh, took him hostage, him and his best friend. And he watched his cousin, his best friend, get beheaded like those videos right in front of him. And when it was his turn... The Marine, like a movie, the Marines kicked down the door and uh, saved his life. And now he, like, helps train, you know, martial artists and even the celebrities. Like, he actually, like, Chris Pratt knows him. And it was all in this video package. And uh, it was just really well done. So they're not just doing good video packages, but it's, like, it's good work. It's, like, it's not, it's not even so much about Bella. This guy could not even be, you know, he's already 29 turning 30. He doesn't have the greatest experience. He, he probably won't be a world champion. But the fact they're, like, spending their, their production to tell these stories... I always like that, and I think MMA just in general needs needs more of that. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm all for the video packages, man. Yeah, all the all the self series and all that kind of stuff, man. Shout out to shout out to Esther and Casey as well, man. Yeah, they, they they deserve they deserve some sort of mention when it comes to all the work they do video wise and and photo wise as well, covering the sport too. Yeah, I saw them out there hustling. They were doing double duty. They were doing their normal duties, but also doing stuff to get that 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 uh, you know that. I don't want to say the title, I don't have it offhand, but that retrospective piece they did on Alimale McFarlane, that was awesome. So, Yes. All right, Love guys, next, next category. Sorry, I jumped on it early, but yes, it was Coach of the Year, and yes, Jim will be kicking us off, and I don't think this one needs too much uh, explaining, right, guys? It's pretty straightforward, so why don't we get right into it. Jim, who was your Coach of the Year for 2018? Uh... I was very torn between this. Uh, I loved, uh, I loved the moment that Din had with Tyron at UFC 228, oh, just because that was just Great. a journey. That was just a journey for them both, and um, that that just hearing on the Slip and Dip podcast, uh, no plug there for you, Matt, but uh, just just the, 
<laughs> just just what what happened though. and and yeah just the the journey those two have been on i really enjoyed that but i have to go with the guy that i literally see at the most ridiculous amount of events across the world i'm not just talking about in america i'm not just talking about in europe i'm talking about asia as well mikey brown from wow, nice i just i just don't i've never ever in my four or five years covering the sport at events, talking to people, honestly, I've never heard anyone have a bad word to say about this guy. They're more so that they have so many positives to say about him. Ioana Jacek is like, she's obviously moved her camp from Poland to ATT and hasn't been amazingly successful. But she is so reliant on Katil Kublis and um, Mikey Brown. Like she just, like, it's just, it's just an outlier in terms of someone who's so far up in the sport but relies on him. And as I said, you just see him all over the world. Like he was even at Risen, like with Yoji Horiguchi, like on on New Year's Eve. The, the guy has no limits. He's everywhere. And you, as I said, everyone loves him. Like no one's got a bad word to say about him, and everyone rates him rates him as a top level coach. I think you could probably go coach by coach and say this guy's yeah. won this many titles this year. But I, I don't think anyone can come compete with the amount of events that or amount of fighters that um mike brown has kind of been in the corner of this year so my coach of the year is uh, mike brown he's a real unsung hero of our sport and um i think att they, they get uh, sometimes branded the fact that they're a factory and they, they have so many fighters yeah. under their under their banner but mikey brown is um he is a constant in all of the successful fighters in that gym so uh yeah as i said mike brown Fantastic pick. Uh, I'm a, I was a low-key Mike Brown fan back when he was fighting. So to be able mm-hmm. to champion him now as a coach and seeing all that he's done is is extra cool. And for all the reasons Jim stated, I'm really glad you brought him up. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to add to that pick before you give your uh, to give your own Coach of the Year award? I mean, hey, it's kind of hard. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, Mike, is a, he's a good dude, man. Like, And like Jim was saying, like, he seems to be everywhere and always in, you know, in the winning side corners, you know, he's just yeah. a guy that, you know, he's just all over the place. You know, you see him at events, you know, covering these fights and he's just always there, always in a great mood. It seems like I haven't seen him at an event, like be pissed off ever, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, he's got a, got a good vibe about him too, you know? And I, that obviously um, has some effect on his fighters too, because I mean, it's more successful than not. Right. Yep. Yep. No, hundred. Well, well, well said, sir. For uh, sure. So, 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 keeping keeping the ball in your court, Matt. Who who did you end up siding with for your coach of the year for for the year of twenty eighteen? Uh, my guy has a lot of similarities to Mike, um, in a different way. I mean, uh, I'm going to go with a local guy who's making his name bigger nationally, especially over this past year. Ah, okay. It's coach, coach Safe. Yes, nice. Nice. Coach Safe before this, man, like he's got a lot of up-and-comers, a ton of up-and-comers, a lot of guys that went through LFA they are now in the UFC, a lot of guys that went through um, Dana White's uh, Contender Series yep. that are coming up. Um, on the regional circuit, a lot of guys, man, uh, three LFA titles I believe he had this year. Um uh, the Ultimate Fighter Champion, uh, Women's 145, who's now fighting at 135, which is weird. But, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, right, yeah. just a lot of things. A lot of things, man. And he is such a good dude, too. Um, like a lot of people in MMA, 
Like, if you just look at some of these guys, they look like they're just, you know, the hardest dudes on the planet Earth like you wouldn't approach. And Safe kind of has that to him a little bit about him. <laughs> but, like, when you talk to him, he's just, like, the coolest dude on Earth. So he, he's a real cool person, real relatable, and he's, like, got this great relationship with all of these guys in the gym that are coming up, man. And I think 2019 is going to be another big year, just like we saw in 2018 for him, getting all these guys into the UFC. And now that they're there... What can they do when they're there? And also to the fact, he also had this kind of thing where, kind of like what Jim was saying with Mike, where it's like, you turn on the TV, he's in somebody's corner. Like, even these events were like, you know, back to back to back in different countries. Like, he was making the trips. Like, (laughs) it was funny because me and him talked real shortly, you know, after the, the Dallas card. And he was like, you know, telling me, he's like, hey, man, you got to come out to the gym more. You got to come out to the gym. It's like a 30 minute drive for me. So it's okay. not like it's, it's down the road, but it's not right down the road. You right. Know, it's right. Like yeah, those are yeah. between. But uh, he's like, hey, you're here. Come out to the gym. You know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I've been to the gym uh, you know, a couple of times, uh, particularly to cover Mike Jackson, when he was down there training for CM Punk <laughs> to do a little video thing with him. But um, he's the way he commands that gym. Like he just has this presence like safe the man. Everybody knows it, but you know there's there's a certain level of respect and brotherhood that that's in that gym that's really gonna I think you know catch more and more attention than it did this year too. So that's that's, what, that's awesome pick, man. Everybody in the know seems to like have a, a, a real solid level of respect for Safe too. I notice nothing but good words. Uh, yes, you know, people in the know, whether uh, from fighters to media alike. So I, I love that you had that pick. Uh, it seems like more fighters are gravitating toward his way as well. When you look at the movement of his table, not just his key guys, so that's always great to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, great great, great picks. Uh, anything to say about that, Jim? Before I, I I hit you guys with my coach of the year. Yeah, I mean like yeah, obviously that's, that's great pick by Matt. I'm I'm very interested to hear what you pick because uh, like I said, I had <laughs> yes. Mike Brown. There was one other guy. There was one hey. other guy that was so close. Then Dan, go away. Go go with it. Yeah. I think I picked it. I think I nailed it. Guy. Okay, hopefully, if anybody, yeah, I mean, you you guys know me well, but anybody who does know me as as well as well probably will know this pick. It's a low-key pick, but again, uh, it's a guy I've been raving about a lot. And more importantly, I kind of gave it away on the most recent episode of Junkie Radio. We had uh, Eric Nixick on. And, you know, I definitely want to give the team, obviously, a bias. I'm going to definitely give a shout-out to Extreme Couture and from Dennis Davis to guys like Eric Nixick. And um, especially, you know, picking up after, you know, uh, after, you know, uh, the passing to Robert Fallis, but Nick Sick was on the program and he was talking. Here's the respect. Not only when another coach respects this coach, it tells me that I'm on the right end for for coach of the year. Uh, again, no right and wrong, but but you know, just figuratively speaking, is when the other coaches ask that coach for advice and admit that. And uh, and Eric said he had to ask Mark Montoya, "How do you do it, man? How do you you stay on the road with all these different fighters and maintain?" You know, sanity, your own life, et cetera, et cetera. And Mark Montoya, even though Eric corners against them, you know, says said nothing but great things about him. And that's my coach of the year is Mark Montoya from Factory X Muay Thai. Obviously, he's had standout guys like, you know, Anthony Smith, uh, works with veterans like Joe Warren, and then, you know, all, all, has a bunch of new cats. Uh, one new cat just got a knockout in the UFC, the lightweight division, came from the Contender Series. I mean, guys from all across the spectrum – um, and, and he's really commonly in corners. You know, we just saw him at PFL cornering guys like Steven Seiler and, and whatnot. And uh, he he's just always so calm, so collected when he's guiding through his fighters through that fire 
in the corner. Uh, seems to be a great coach behind the scenes because being a coach behind the scenes in a corner is not always the same thing. They're not always the same skill sets. He's able to do both. And he just seems like the most humblest guy. You know, we, we've been able to interview him a couple times on Junkie Radio, and uh, he's, he's just, it, you know, I, I love that. You know, they're not always the best businessmen, but they're, they're always the best coaches, those, those type of guys, you know. Um, just real genuine, salt-of-the-earth type of dude. So I got Mark Montoya. Was that – were you guys right on your guesses, Matt? No, no I, was I, had one other, <laughs> I had one other. I had one other guy who we have to give a shout out to. It's uh, Eugene Behrman, the coach of Israel Adesanya, Volskanovsky, yeah. uh, and uh, Dan Hooker. Like, come on, these guys have absolutely dismantled 2018. And Eugene Behrman's their head coach, and he just deserves all the plaudits in the world. Like, this guy has led all three of these guys to massive platforms like here in the UFC. Israel Adesanya is about to fight, uh, you, know, you know, Anderson Silva. Like, we've got Alexander Volkanovsky is just beating Chad Mendes. Like, come on, Dan Hooker's about to get another massive fight. Shane Young, like, Kaikara mm-hmm. France. Yeah, man. There you go. Yeah, like other guys as well. Like, you know, these guys have come on a lot this year, and the world is taking notice. So, uh, Eugene Behrman, I tip my hat. Great call, man. I told, yeah, I told this pace that great call. Um, you, you know, you know, city kickboxing, New Zealand, doing stuff right. What even Australian guys, Australian guys like uh, Volkanovski is going over to moving his camp over to train there. So, that was a that was a great shout. I'll just say, you know. Hob Mendez and Sarah Longo were the only other shout outs that I had. Did you guys have any other before we move on? No, I mean, uh, Coach Hob was probably my uh, my other pick, probably number two on my list. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, AKA, you're, you're talking champions in the UFC when, you, when you're talking about that gym. So it's kind of hard not to have him at the top of your list or somewhere near it. All right. Hey Matt, you know what? Let's. I'm looking at our order, and I think the ball's still in your court now, sir, to kick us off for the next category. So we'll keep it on you. Uh, the next category is going to be Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. Pretty self-explanatory to the audience. Which fighter do you feel kind of broke through? Whether it was a, a rookie-style breakthrough, or a, I don't want to say veteran, but a, a workman, some or a workwoman that we knew and kind of reshaped themselves this year. Who, who did you end up going with, Matt? I went with, I went chalk on this one. I think. All right. I think I went chalk on this one. I mean, I'm sorry, but I kind of had to. Okay. The guy, guy went four and zero this year, and miles and miles of personality, shades of another goat of the sport. I mean, obviously Israel Adesanya, like it's just a hell of a year, man. Hell of a year. Crossover. Inside the cage, he's he's got it as well. You know, the it, the marketing factor. Yep. Yep. And just goes in there, and I mean, God, the guy, the guy just puts on a show every time, man. Puts on a show in the cage and on the mic as well. So, like, I don't, I don't, like, nobody else stood out to me like him this year. Uh, yeah, man, crossover here, Jim. Did you end up on crossover? Do we have, a, do we have a three-way crossover here, or did you end up with, with, with a different fighter for your breakthrough fighter in 2018? No, 100%. You can't go anyone else but Adesanya. Like, come on. Like right. I said at the start, there are going to yep. be some picks here that we just need to give credit to. Yep. We need to we need to give respect to as well. Israel Adesanya, 4-0, like Matt said. Every single, uh, like, meter event he turned up to, he stole the room. Like, come on. We've we got to give it to him. Like, I have got an honorable mention, if, I, if I'm allowed to right now. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, go especially, ahead. 
especially being from the UK as well, the K, former K-Tories bantamweight champion Nathaniel Wood, he, yeah. he had that massive uh, knockout of Luca Ivan to defend his belt, then gets into the UFC, defeats Johnny Eduardo, who, who's, a, who's a resilient uh, Brazilian, comes through a tough first round, gets submission, and then at UFC 232, and then uh, defeats Andre Newell. Like, great year, three and zero as well. Um, three finishes. Yeah, like, I just thought, it, I, I nowhere near the level of Adesanya, but worth dropping the cab to. Like, what well on Nathaniel Wood, like, especially from a UK perspective. Um, but yeah, like Matt says, it's got to be Adesanya. Man, yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, I, I, I'm there for the same reasons, guys. Like, you know, you know my biases, you know, uh, with Extreme Couture, and I'm a big fan of Brad Tavares, and but, man, I got to tell you, that for me, that was the fight that really not turned me around. I was always impressed with Israel Asanya, but that was, for me, the measuring stick, right, as far as if you look at who he's facing his career and the questions that we wanted to know and what he did, you know, over the course of five rounds, which I felt was way more impressive than if Izzy would have went out and sparked Brad in the first round. I thought yes. going five rounds was way more impressive. He answered so many more questions, and that set the stage to give us that, you know, almost Anderson Silva, Chris Lieben-like performance at – at UFC 230, so great pick. Uh, I'm glad we're all on the same page there. But in the spirit of honorable mentions, I just wanted to shout out. Uh, um, well, Nathaniel Wood was a great pick. He's one of the most more hardcore picks. Where I think like hardcores, yeah. But I think in yeah. 2019 could be their year. Same with like an Alexander Hernandez, depending on how well he does with the Cerrone, where they already kind of introduced themselves to the organization. But on the broader spectrum, we may have to wait wait, wait and see till after this year or what happens this year. But uh, Jessica I, she gets a lot of crap, but you know what? She's really turned things around after talking so much crap about when I get the flyweight, back when you wait, you wait, back when I get the flyweight. I know, it's, it's hilarious. I, it's, it's funny, but you know what? I feel like I, I have to give, I have to at least give her a mention because she, she has, she has, she has uh, went from, you know, she, she has went from, uh, why do you still have a job to like, oh, crap, she's probably uh, one of the leaders for a, a title shot, which say what you will. Let's be honest. I, I know it's not the most deep division, but it's up there. Um, Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith's another guy we could say that as well. And, you know, people were talking crap about him and look at him, you know, regardless of how we think he'll do against John Jones, let's be honest. He's one of the leaders for a, a title shot in that that division. So I, I I just wanted to give people like that a shout, as well as uh, uh, Anthony Martin, uh, Anthony Martin, Tony Tony Martin, Rocco Martin. Uh, again, just kind of we like, oh, this is a whatever win lose guy. He's gonna you know Sean Shelby called him the most boring fighter on the roster, and now he just <laughs> he he moves up to welterweight, starts getting his first knockouts, finishing guys. Uh, having like pro wrestling style interviews and getting all crazy, like just taking his career in his own hands and following that trend of moving up in a way. So I just wanted to, to give honorable mentions there. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man, on the, uh, the Jessica, I know, I threw you, I know, I threw a curveball there, man. Threw you I, I like, like, I, I, was, I was gonna say, I like, I love, I love Jessica. I, and I mean, I love her personality and everything, but like, to call, to call for title shots, like when you're winning split decisions, just doesn't, doesn't mesh well. Like you got to go out there and convincingly win fights to <laughs> glamour for a title shot as hard as she has. But I mean, Hey, she's a fantastic personality and I wish nothing but good things for her, but Hey, you know, <laughs> hey, flyweight needs a character too, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah. Jim Jim is Jim is just befuddled right here. He is more befuddled than Hugh Grant. <laughs> Uh, any, talking, any any promo we're, we're for his about, movies. We're talking about the award for the cringiest like post fight promos ever, right? <laughs> hey, who else is giving yeah any remotely like remotely any sort of emotion in their post fight interviews when it comes yeah, to like fair play as well. Like uh, what the the thing I love about Jessica Rice, she just seems oblivious to anyone else's like opinion about her fights, and she loves it. I like good all the power to her. Like she, she was like. If anyone watches her versus Valentina Shevchenko, we're all gonna watch. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yes, of course. That's actually one of the more like like, sadly the most most sellable fight uh, in that division. Sadly, let's be honest, guys. (laughs) Just just because we'd be interested to seeing it for multiple different reasons. But yes, Uh, (laughs) just to wrap this category up, guys. This is a category really we could have honorable mentions for days if we're really being honest here. There's a lot of fighters we could really work our way uh who have laid the groundwork to you know possibly be that breakthrough fighter but 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 it was clear at the top there was heads and uh you know uh, head, yeah, clear arms length uh between the the victor i i would say here right guys 100 percent. like yeah. you can't you can't deny is he like he, he's by far and away the most deserving of this award and i i i love hipster picks but um this time you just got to give a nod to the guys the most deserving and it's uh is adesanya yes sir all right 20 more minutes four categories and some bold predictions i think we can get this guys we're gonna go uh the ball's in my court to kick this one off i'm actually really excited uh to see what you guys came up with this one the most out of any category guys this is breakthrough non-fighter of the year so this gives us the opportunity to, to pay homage to uh, a bunch of uh, different different ways and, and, and categories, whether it, you know it was uh, promoters, analysts, uh, whatever, what have you. Anything that wasn't a fighter that broke through in the world of MMA, essentially. So uh, now that that's said, I guess I'll just I'll, I'll give mine off off the bat. Is I'm going to give mine to not so much the analyst role, but the play-by-play role, and not only a non-fighter, but a guy who comes from, I would argue, the least amount of fighting background from anybody, even being a non-fighter, which makes it all the more impressive. That is Brendan Fitzgerald stepping in as a play-by-play commentator for the UFC and coming coming through this year. I think, like, a dude from came from the newsroom, so to speak, you know? He didn't come from covering traditional sports, but being able to... Uh, say fighters' names correctly to be able to do the traffic cop position that that position doesn't get a lot of credit for, and being able to you know you could tell he's done his homework, especially having to do double homework if you don't come from the sport, you have to do even more homework. He's done that. He's went and taken classes here in Las Vegas uh, for jujitsu or Muay Thai, um, and you could tell he's even watched other sports and combat sports as far as commentating. You know, with the with the turn of phrases that he's he's used again. Not an obvious choice for this category by any means. Not an obvious choice, even if we were narrowing it down to commentators. But when I look at where he came from, what he's done, and the mix of the crazy, insane UFC schedule that he just kind of got thrown into, having different partners every time, and that this is his first gig in combat sports, much less his first gig calling fights to do it on the most premier, biggest platform. I mean, that's just insane, guys, that he got the opportunity he's been able to run with it because we've seen the UFC not use certain guys in that position after giving him a, t- a couple tries, let's be honest. 
So, and comparing it to those guys, I think even his critics would agree that Brendan Fitzgerald did a better job than those other other people they tried out for. So, John Haddock, of course, is the man for the UFC. No question there. But I got to give a shout out to Brendan Fitzgerald to your guys. Too crazy, too left field? Be honest. No, no. No, it's good. And I agree with you, man. Like, he's a guy that, I mean, really, like, nobody really, like, knew anything about him coming in. And he came in and knocked it out of the park from the, from the jump. It wasn't like... You know, we've had some guys come in and it's like, okay, get this guy off the mic. And you, you never had that with him. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good shot. I like it. Like, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll just. Uh, yeah, you're up next. If you want to yeah, go, go near us. Yeah, perfect. You're up, you're up anyways. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Paul Felder. Like, I just nice. absolutely nice. love him. I just nice. love it. As an analyst. Every single time. As an analyst. But also, like, sometimes when he's taking the commentary position as well, he's done Dana White's Contender Series, but he also has filled in for a few of the UFC Fight Nights. I remember him doing the one in Russia. Yep. He traveled all around. I just loved it. I loved it, man. I love hearing his perspective. He's incredibly well-spoken. He's, in, he's very analytical, and he can obviously, because he's in there a lot of the time, he can actually give you an insight that sometimes uh, other people can't. So yeah. I just I, I love Paul Felder's mic work this year, um, and yeah. So uh, my my pick is uh, my pick's Paul Felder. Yeah, you went with the arguably uh, the Batman. Uh, I went with the Robin and Brendan Fitzgerald, but you went with the Batman. Is his, his his main probably main broadcast partner. I love Felder. Was almost a he was right there next to this. He was written right next to that. I probably edged it out because Felder was a fighter as well, although perfectly fine picking him. Because yeah, I'm super impressed with him. Reminds me of an old school Jens Pulver touch. He has that that working man's feel to the fight that he can really lend his lend his eyes on. And uh, I would also argue one of the better guys if you're going to do a third man booth. Even if you don't like the three man, if you feel it's too crowded, I feel it's much more palpable if Paul Felder is that third man. Uh, what do you think of that pick? And as you lead us into your own pick, Mr. Wells, I like the pick. I like the pick, and um, you know he is also one of my most enjoyable listens when it comes to you know him calling fights and uh, you know being on the on, in the booth, so to speak. You know on these events, man, he's he's really good. Um, sometimes you know we have these guys that get in there and they they try to inject themselves into the the storylines when it's convenient. You know, when, when fighters like with Paul, like, you know, like they'll mention him or whatever in their post-fight interviews or, you know, he won't say, hey, you know, you, you know, you know, he won't mention himself when it's, a, you know, a, another lightweight or whatever. Um, there's been a couple of times where it's kind of happened, but he's done really, really well to deflect it and keep it about that person that he's interviewing at the time. So, yeah, I, I like it a lot, man. And uh, to roll into mine, um, I don't have a particular one. Um, it's a category, so I'm kind of twisting the, the category here a little bit. You know, I'm breaking the rules, Dan Tom. I'm breaking the rules. Do it. But, Break them. But it's the entire fighters in their non-fighting roles when it comes to their commentary gigs and their on, on being on the Fox desk. I want to see nice. more of these guys on there, whether it be, you know, your Anthony Smith, like we just saw. So you can have that moment with the John Jones, which was a little, a little you know, all right, well, maybe we're getting that fight next, whatever, whatever. But, you know, you see the Karate Hotties on there. You see all these different personalities, all the Rashad Evans, whether they're current fighters or retired fighters. I just want, I want more fighters to get in these opportunities because I don't like the fact that some of these guys, they just disappear and then it's like, okay, never hear from them again. Maybe you'll be on a UFC. Where are they now in t- 10 years on Fight Pass? You know, I just want to get, get these guys, as long as they can do the job well, I don't want you to just stick anybody on there, you know. I don't want 
some of these guys that are slurring their words and <laughs> getting up there. Like Diego Sanchez might be a little stretch, might be a stretch, but uh, you know, I, I like the fact that most of the guys that they put on there, guys and girls that they yeah. put on there, whether it be in the booth or like, like I said, on Fox, they do a really, really good job um, considering their experience in that role. I got to disagree, man. I don't like it. I don't okay. like it. I, okay. Um, to a certain extent, like you get like people like Michael Bisping. I always remember when obviously Colby Covington had his best win of his career against yeah. Rafael de Sanchez. And Bisping kind of interjects himself into that scenario. And mm-hmm. it was just yeah, I just I always prefer to. I think um, Dominic Cruz has also done it once when I think TJ Dillashaw won a yep. fight. Yeah, and it's just like I don't, I just don't. That sometimes you're correct, and like I go back to my pick of Paul Felder, where I think he's like you mentioned there, he's incredibly good. Sometimes, who was it that called him out in the octagon? Uh, just I can't. Was it Gaethje? I don't, I don't remember, but I remember the moment. I just can't put the faces and the names, and my brain scrambled right now. I think but I remember it was a friendly one where it was like, maybe you. And he did one of those, maybe you. And he was like, ah, well. Yeah, I can't remember. And just literally can't remember. I don't think it was Gaethje. But someone oh, okay. basically called him out. They won a fight, and they called Paul Felder out. To oh, his face Dan Hooker. Was, Dan Hooker. Sorry. Dan yes. Hooker. There we go. But Gaethje did, Gaethje so did Dan, mention him, though. I do remember that. Okay. So yes. Dan Hooker calls him out, and Paul Felder's still professional enough to be like, okay, this moment is about you. We're not going to talk about yeah. this. Kind yes. of deflects it very well. 100%. But then you get other guys who do sit on that Fox panel, on the Fox panel. And, um, yeah, they're, they're just not professional enough to, to be that to be that guy. And, like, so I kind of agree with you, Matt. I kind of like to see these guys get uh, life after the fight game. But there's also a part of me that doesn't really want to see them on the broadcast. That's just me, then. I think one thing, though, is, like, we'll also, like, for Bisping in particular, like you, like Bisping's always a little bit of a wild card. Like he's going to give you some stuff, like you weren't <laughs> expecting. Right. But he also had one of the most significant moments of the year on the Fox desk when he was interviewing Max Holloway and called out, "Like, dude, you're not right." Yeah. And yeah. that led yeah. that eventually led to that fight getting Great canceled. Point. Like, thank God. So, I mean, yeah, we. You know we're gonna get some good and bad, but I like I just think overall across the board, I think it was a great year for those guys in those roles. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt. Uh, the fact that I want to see them more, I think they do a great job for the most part. But kind of like what you both said, I think uh, to Jim's point, I, I guess I would say that maybe just watch the UFC. Hopefully they'd be a little more tactful than putting uh, trying to get drama points because I think they fall flat more and, and awkward more than way more than they are successful. So hopefully they're just tactful about how they set it up. But, Jim, you're going to kick us off for the next one, sir. It's a big one. It's fighter of the year. Jim, Mm -hmm. who was your fighter of the year for 2018? Mm. Come on. There's only one guy you can go see. Drum roll. Like, like he doesn't even need a drum roll. We all know (laughs) Daniel Day. Daniel Cormier fight three times in one year. Beats Volkanos Demir at UFC 220. Then wins the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the World against Stipe Miocic at UFC 226. Then at short notice, is the company man and comes in. UFC 230 defeats Derek Lewis. It wasn't even a fight, let's face it. Defends that UFC Heavyweight title. And then is part of the drama at the end of the year for UFC 232. In the whole build-up, he pretty much sells that fight. He's like the third man. He's like the third wheel, along with Alexander Gustav and John Jones. 
this is interesting, man. This is interesting. It's the fight of the air fight. Like, uh, if any of you guys can even give me someone that's close to him, I'll be surprised. But go for it. Daniel Cormier, my fighter of the year, 2018. Matt, uh, do you have crossover here, or do you have uh, Daniel Cormier as well? Of course it's crossover. All right. (laughs) Of course it's crossover. Jump in, in, man. (laughs) I mean, listen, DC, from going to being under the shadow of John Jones to escaping that shadow and knocking out Stipe Miocic like he did, it was absolutely incredible because it, it it just truly like opened up the whole like Pandora's box of what ifs. Like what if Cain Velasquez was not around? Like would DC have been on like on a nine fight, ten fight win streak at heavyweight? Because to go out there and just start Stipe like that, like it was nothing. It it was so incredible. It, it, <laughs> It's, it's just like, yeah, like there's nobody like there's a couple people that are, you know, in the honorable mentions. But like, it's just that it's D.C. There's no number two. There's no number three, number four. It's just D.C. And then there's the honorable mention. Like, you know what I mean? It's by far and away. He he deserves that. He deserves that moniker for this year. Um, just the best guy representing the sport as well, man. Yeah. Whether it be on the mic, you know, like <laughs> even like Jim said, like basically being like a. a third wheel promoter for this last title fight. Like he's just a good dude. Like you follow him on Twitter. Like he's always like the right thing, but he'll also clap back at you. But at the same time, I mean, if you hate Daniel Cormier, I don't, I, I don't understand you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, 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 never can I just add something? Yeah, of course. Can I just add one of my favorite moments was uh, UFC 220 in January. Um, DC just beat Vulcan. Like all ends up. And then walks into the press conference. One of the questions, it was Ariel Halani who asked him, it was like, how is this moment different to when you lost to John Jones at UFC 214 in August? And he's like, go back and watch this press conference. It's literally one of the best moments of the year. I remember nearly bawling my eyes out in the press conference. Like, DC tells a story about how after UFC 214, he couldn't sleep in the same bed as, as his wife and his children because he'd just been beaten. And uh, basically his his son came to him afterwards in the morning and basically put his arm around him and said, Dad, what's wrong? And, like, he just remembers crying himself to just literally bawling his eyes out. And he basically said the differences between that and tonight is that he can go home and look his son in the eye and just be like, I won. And, like, it's, it's just a crazy – it's literally, like, it's the last – it's literally the last question of the press conference, and it's like – Fuck, that's when you kind of realize how much it means to these people and how much effort they put into the sport. I just thought it was like, for me, that I just, I think that was one of the most hard hitting moments of any kind of post fight press conference I've ever been a part of. And just to see the year that he went on to have after that, yeah, it was just, yeah, it meant, yeah, it just, it hits home hard. And uh, I'm just glad to see a good, he is, we all know DC, there's no smoke and mirrors, he's a good guy, it was great to see he went on to get those accomplishments this year, and uh, all the best to him, I, I, I genuinely hope he resides in life, he doesn't need to. Yeah, yeah, me, me too, man, uh, I, I agree, you can't, you can't not, you can't not, you know, give him his credit here, uh, I would even argue, kind of what we touched on at the beginning of the show, we didn't represent female fighter of the year, but, because I feel like you could, you know, 
uh, put Amanda Nunes in this spot, and nobody w- w- you know w- would disagree either. And I would argue that that's that's pretty much another no-brainer one um, for Amanda Nunes to give her credit. But to, to to be different, I actually went with someone else because I knew that you guys would be going with Cormier as you should, deservedly so. But even though I'm a huge Daniel Cormier fan, I really am. I actually went with someone different, and I'll make the argument as to why. Because if we're just talking about a fighter or a story of a fighter, whether it's Hollywood idea or what we grew up thinking in our head because of Hollywood, we just think of a guy down on his luck, someone gritty getting in there, whether it's boxing or especially cage fighting. And again, I love seeing people overcome the odds, um, tournaments, big money, overcoming odds. And a guy came out of retirement to do so in the PFL. He you know, went off of a loss in 2016, takes two freaking years off as a damn radio host, for Christ's sakes, a book writer, a science fiction almost, a novelist. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to get back in there. I didn't have the greatest record. You know, I think I barely had over a 500 record when I retired. But Sean O'Connell decided to get back in there at light heavyweight. And he gets a TKO win in the beginning of the year against Hani Marks who was actually on an upswing from being you know, released with the UFC, was showing an uptrend since moving up from middleweight. TKO's him, comes up short, actually loses as a fighter of the year selection who lost in 2018 to Bazagit Ataev, who had not fought since Pride, by the way. Um, but he was one of those, uh, he was a professional kickboxer, though, did that, and that's what he did. He got caught with the spinning back kick. Bazagit Ataev's move to the liver, and that led to a stoppage. Thankfully, though, he earned himself in the way of the playoffs, and this was impressive. Before even the finals win, October 13th during the playoffs, it's the two fights in one night uh, deal to get to, to progress. And he barely gets past Dan Spong in a majority decision and then faces this guy who's a beast, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, guys uh, out of Canada who were more, were more prominent on, uh, as far as hardcores were concerned, which was Similino Rama, KOs him. Earns his way to the finals, but then he has to meet Vinny Magalesh, the favorite to win, the guy who's been just icing everybody, just cutting a hot knife through butter, submitting everybody. And uh, it's just this back-and-forth battle where he just turns his fight IQ on, and we always scream at the guy for going into the guard or not standing the jiu-jitsu guy up. And even though it was it was frustrating at times, he kept uh, hitting his guy till he fell down. And then backing up into letting Vinny Magalesh stand. And he kept wash, rinsing, and repeating all the way to a million dollars, and he didn't get stupid, he didn't get carried away like some guys did, already making plans to come back a season or move up and wait before they even won the million dollars. Nope. Sean O'Connell says, I, you don't get much time, you don't get much chances in this sport to retire on top. There's no such thing as a Cinderella story, so I'll take the million dollars. Thanks. I'll take this. And I know it's recency bias like a motherfucker. It's me being a contrarian. But God damn it, that's that. If we're talking about fighters and, and, and how how we think of them or I, I idealize to think of them, that's that's a great damn story for for fighter of the year 2018 for me. Hell yeah! Like, uh, listen, like that's the way you want to go out. Like, you can't you can't script that any better, especially for a guy that's you know somewhat of a journeyman uh, when it comes to that. I mean, you straight up call him a journeyman if you want. I think that's not off base. But to go out there, win this tournament. You know, I think it's a lot easier to be a radio host when you have a million dollars in the bank behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot more comfortable about that job. <laughs> so, I, hey, why not? Why not go out there? Hey, I just won this tournament. 
fighting's not the best thing for your body. So <laughs> let me just put this money in the bank here and go get back in the booth and talk about sports. I'll be all right. All right. Well, that was a uh, that that was a uh, that was a good one. Any any honorable mentions before we move on to the next one? No, I mean like Sean O'Connell. That's a great pick. Amanda Nunes also. I mean, even before that, like UFC two thirty two, I had like Chris Cyborg like kind of penciled in. Like, if she mm. defended against Amanda Nunes, she would have been a great honorable mention. Uh, Habib like is is a tough one to pick. Just because, obviously, he, I feel like at UFC, to uh, you know, when, when he fought Ally Kinsey, he had to come through a lot of adversity that week. Everyone forgets the fact that he had his opponent changed what three times in yeah. seven days. Yeah, still goes on to become the UFC lightweight champion, then wins the biggest fight of the year against Conor McGregor. That's great year. That's great year for Habib. So he's worth an honorable mention. But like I say. Daniel Cormier, all ends up for me. It's just, it's just not even a, it's not even a debate. Awesome. So, uh, all right, back on, back on target, guys. We had fighter of the year. Now we're gonna move on to heartbreak of the year. We're almost through here. This one's not as fun of one, but it gives us a chance to talk about something that probably wouldn't be mentioned in an award. Uh, needless to say, so um, kind of a tricky one to tackle. Self-explanatory, but Matt, you're gonna lead us off here. What, what was your heartbreak for 2018? Uh, my heartbreak for 2018 was the uh, was the uh, treatment, I guess, so to speak, and the exit of one Demetrius Johnson from the UFC. Yeah. Um, because the guy carried your – he was the only flyweight champion in your division, um, for your promotion, rather. Goes out there in a rematch against a guy he beat convincingly the first time and uh, loses a split decision. And then it's just basically just erased from the promotion. Like, <laughs> it was just, like, crazy to me. Like, how can you treat this guy this way? And I know that maybe he wanted to move on as well. Maybe it w there was a little bit of a mutual thing there. But in all the opportunities they had to do more with DJ while he was with the UFC, they just didn't do it for whatever reason. And for that to be his exit, to lose on a split decision after – a fight like in any other division, a guy wins so many title fights in a row and loses a split decision, there's going to be an immediate title, immediate rematch. There's going to be an immediate rematch. I don't care who you are, like what division you are, but he's just never going to get that opportunity. It's like, all right, I'm going out, peace. You know, and again, I don't know the full story, whether that was completely mutual or whatever have you, but the optics of it just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. I know what you mean. It's a tricky one to unpack because there's a lot of legs to it. But for what you're saying, this almost made uh, made it for me. It wasn't my choice, but it almost made it for me as well. Uh, based on that, uh, Jim, any, any any thoughts on that one before before we get to uh, well, I think I'm next. But yeah, any thoughts on that one? I guess. Uh, I mean, I think it's a heartbreaking the fact we're never gonna see Johnson Sahuo three. But the, the, I mean, Johnson was quite upfront about the fact he wanted to go on and compete for world titles in different organizations that fight week. Uh, you looked at him then, yeah, and he, yeah. he seemed carefree. If you go back and watch some yeah, of it, yeah, when you go back and watch it, yeah, it, it's crazy. And like he talks about like fighting in Dream and fighting in One, fighting in Risen, and it's like 
Yeah, I just remember that. Um, it's the open workout scrum where this first came up. And I, I like John Morgan actually asked him about like what have you got left to achieve, and then he goes on to talk about world titles in other organisations. My follow up was, but that's never going to happen, right? And his answer was, well, you never know. And it was like, whoa, that was yeah. the first time we thought maybe something's up here. So I don't know, I don't know. Like, is that the biggest heartbreak? I don't know. I don't know. Not for me, personally, but I get where you're coming from. The thing with me with that, with about moving on to fight, you know, different titles, like, they literally centered an entire season of the Ultimate Fighter around that one thing. Like, <laughs> who's yeah. the best champion of all of these organizations we can get to fight DJ? And, the, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, the biggest heartbreak thing for me because I don't really, not a lot of heartbreaking things jump out to me, but, like, that has always never really sat right with me, like, his treatment in the UFC, so... Well, my mine uh, mine kind of has a connection within the same division to segue uh, my heartbreak of the year. It's s- same division uh, opponent that uh, Demetrius Johnson got his last win over Ray Borg, but not Ray Borg, his son. I know mm. it's not really MMA, kind of depending on how you want to dice this, but I think we all follow the UFC if you follow MMA, and if you follow UFC, you've been covering it. You've you've, you've been seeing just you know just pretty much since UFC 223 unfortunate news or heart tugging on your heartstring type of news and procedures going on countless at this point with Ray Borg and his son while he's trying to maintain fight bookings, a career, stay afloat. We're seeing, you know, uh, fighters uh, who wouldn't normally be known for their generosity or don't even know Ray reaching out to help them. I mean, it's just one of those situations I think speaks to everybody. So maybe it's a gimme here, but, but I went with that one here, guys. That's it's phenomenal Great. story. Phenomenal story. I mean, not phenomenal, like in a, Right. good way but i mean it's it's incredible to see like the post of social media like just following along with that story and seeing how hard that that little man's fighting it's it's incredible jim any thoughts before you give your heartbreak of 2018 well 100% agree with you and it kind of makes me feel a little bit bad about my heartbreak of uh, 2018 because <laughs> it makes me feel very very selfish but um yeah, like I totally agree with you, man. Like like Matt says, just the response on social media from everyone has been amazing to see. And like the fact that so many people in uh, the MMA community have kind of reached out to Ray and helped him. Brendan Schwab, I know, made a very generous kind of offer to uh, mm-hmm. Ray about that. I think, and it was a genuine one as well. Yeah. I think sometimes oh, yeah. these things can be passed off as. Uh, uh, you know, trying to get, I don't know, just get a bit, a bit of rub from the from the situation. But I think that was a very genuine one. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off piece now. This was a bit of a personal hit. Okay. I remember getting up at um, 4 a.m. in the morning to get to the airport. And uh, I see Tony Ferguson has uh, oh. fallen over. Yes. A wire. Oh and yes. A Good one. And um, I, I, I come from I, I come from the school of having heard about Rafael de Sanyos's injury against Conor McGregor during fight week, and this this one especially just made me feel it literally made me feel sick to my stomach because yeah. I genuinely believe we were going to get to see Tony Ferguson fight Habib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> Finally. And. Finally, 
this the fight we've all been waiting for, this UFC lightweight title fight between two of the best fighters in the world. I just remember just waking up as I, I'm literally, I think, I believe it was even Matt, Matt or Jose Young in a group chat saying WTF, Tony again. And I just... Heartbreaking. On my way to the airport to Brooklyn. Come on. Come on. That, <laughs> that please. Come on. For God's sake. I literally just remember literally just... I've never... I, that, that to me was um, probably the most heartbreaking moment in, in MMA. Because I, 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 we all want to see that fight. Yeah, yeah. Me, no, I, I, I personally been wanting to see that and was investing in that fight heavily for anybody that knows me. And then, like I said, I don't usually go out to these events... Uh, like yourself, but I, I made it a point to go out to that one and fly out and everything, and that that was that was that was heartbreaking. Matt, do you want to add to that before we, we jump where we jump on? I mean, I've, I've been there with that exact exact same fight, but at UFC 209. So yeah, yeah, I, I feel go. you. I feel you. I feel you. I feel the heartbreak. Right. It's just listen. I don't care how many times they schedule this fight; it has to happen. Just do it. Just do just it, please. Schedule it for a sick time or whatever it is just book do it please 25 times until it actually happens i don't care like just keep booking it keep booking it seriously well let's let's uh, uh we're right in tight on time so let's 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 let's, let's end the neckies so to speak we're going to do bold predictions and and your in your mentions before we get out of here folks don't worry but last category guys we're going to end it on a positive one that's feel good moment of the year um i believe i'm up so i'll, I'll go ahead and kick this off um I'm going back to the PFL. I know I, I went contrarian with the Sean O'Connell pick, but it was something that we were saying on the show, and we, we said it when we had interviewed the Brass uh, on Junkie Radio, the PFL, and said, you know what, I think that, because now it's funny, we're, everybody's flocking to sign up for the second season, but lest we forget, guys, fighters were dropping out because no one was certain what this organization is. Is there really money at the end of the rainbow? What's going on? And it got more and more legitimate as time went on. But uh, it wasn't we, – we said the whole season it's not going to take effect, guys, until we see at the finals, until we see them holding those big checks. And it was funny. We talked to Ray and, and Carlos Silva and we're like, are you guys going to do those big, giant, obnoxious checks? And they were like, you know what? We didn't even think about that. And sure enough, I was very happy come PFL 11 on December 31st, guys, barely qualifying for this award show, that the first check given out was in the middleweight division. Luis Taylor's holding it. It's a giant one. And it was great. We're you know, selfishly, we're like, yes, they went with the Ed McMahon idea. Awesome. But unselfishly, it doesn't matter because we're seeing Luis Taylor's children there, like his two daughters. One of them is, is, is happy, and the other one, she's a little older, and you can tell she understands what that money means, and she's crying. Yeah. And the wife is there, and he's like, honey, you don't have to worry about the house anymore. Kids, your education's paid for. And Luis Taylor, man, I mean, he's a guy that was counted out. They brought him he, into the UFC to face Uriah Hall to lose. He gets uh, injured last minute, can't take the fight. They don't honor his contract, send him back to Bellator. Bellator, Bellator brings him in to lose to their prospects twice at two different times. He knocks them out as the underdog. Both times says, I came in, did you guys a favor, came through. Can I be a part of the tournament? This is back in the Bjorn era when Bellator was still doing tournaments. They turned him down. You're not good enough. You're good enough to be the tomato can and, and prove us wrong twice. But no, you're not good enough twice. And I'm not shitting on Bellator. Bellator's done great. This is the old regime, by the way. But the old regime <laughs> says, Bellator, no, Luis Taylor, you're not good enough. God damn it. I'm glad Luis Taylor found a tournament that would have him. And if for the first time he does, 
he gets a million goddamn dollars. Uh, you look at his career, he never had a, a huge string of losses or a big loss. He just never had his big break. And he's 39 years old and he finally got it. So that, that's my feel-good moment of the year. Yeah. Uh, Gotta love it. Jim, you're next, man. What's your feel-good moment of the year for 2018? Oh, there's so many. Like, I want to go with recency bias and talk about Amanda Nunes' knockout of Chris mm-hmm. Cyborg. Like, she's had so many great wins. Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, obviously, spring to mind. Valentina Shevchenko twice. But, and I'll, I'll be the first to hand my hands up. I don't love the... I don't like Amanda Nunes's post-fight um, <laughs> shenanigans. Yes. Even her pre-fight shenanigans. I'll be honest. Uh, English, sometimes I find it slightly irritating. Oh, my God. But He's pulling the punches here. Jesus. Okay. Pulling no punches. No. Gloves off. No, I would. Like, I, I think... No, that's fair. No, 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 no. Go, I'm fair. just giving you shit. No, no. I, go th- on, I go think on. it's fair. Like, I, I don't... Like if, if I speak if, if I spoke Portuguese, I think I'd have a much better time with it. But uh, understanding of English is quite poor, and sometimes I think she chooses the wrong words in her post-fight interviews. But just to see her, um, I, I don't know. I think resonate on a wider audience when she knocked out Chris Cyborg yeah. in that moment at UFC 232. I thought that was really special, and just seeing the reaction to her and the fact that you know John Jones and guns and goes and finishes Alexander Gustafsson. But still, everyone's talking about Amanda Nunes as a, a UFC double champion. I thought that was a really, really special feel-good moment of the year. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I just think um, maybe an honorable mention, I want to go with Giga Masasi. Nice. Um, actually winning winning a world title, uh, Bellator 200 uh, against Rafael Carvalho. Uh, finally wins that Bellator middleweight title. Then literally goes on to defend it against the uh, Bellator Worldweight champion Roy McDonald later in the year. I just feel like it's, I know he's pulled out of a fight in January, but I just feel it was a great year for Gegard Masasi as well. He finally got that world title recognition. So uh, Amanda Nunes gets my nod. I thought that was a great moment for her. But also I just want to, I want to give drop my hat, as I keep saying, to uh, Gegard Masasi as well. Great year for him. Awesome. I'll just say really quick before we get to Matt's, I just, uh, yeah, the champ champs were certainly uh, as far as like an honorable mention for me, but the, the Nunes thing, I totally get it. You know, I have all his references, their post-fight interviews, and they have gotten better, but I will say in defense and kind of tying into why you had it as your pick, Jim, that it was a feel-good moment because I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Matt and Nunes myself. I was on the other side uh, from picks to money on that night, but even me, I couldn't help but laugh, smile, and put my hands back at her, you know, just during that whole post of interview, watching what she did, going, God damn, girl, good for you. So, great, great pick. Matt, anything to but add to that when you get, as we even, get to yours? Sorry, sorry, even that awkward moment where she jumps out the cage and she's, like, imploring Dana White to come up and, like, yes. celebrate with her was, so like, awkward. literally the most awkward thing <laughs> yeah. ever. And it's like, what do I do? Do I get up? Can't, why do you not understand he can't celebrate the fact that he, he just knocked someone out? <laughs> And it goes Dana on off like, the it cage with her. Yeah. It goes on for ages. Like this is <laughs> this celebration is never gonna happen. And it, she literally tries for a good like ten to twenty seconds, and it's the most you've literally just knocked out Chris Cyborg, <laughs> and you've somehow managed to fucking ruin it by trying to get Dana to celebrate. You can't even get a camera on her. Just... She's running around the whole goddamn place so much. It's so hard to keep her still. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. We're trying I to promote you. Just it. stay still. 
yeah i loved it anyway whatever the case i loved it great good on amanda nunes like well done like you know it, it's a big feat knocking out chris cyborg no one's ever done it in history and she did it matt your your your, your thoughts on that and your feel-good moment of the year dude i love that whole moment i'm sorry <laughs> i loved it i loved it That's I loved it all from the moment from the moment she got both belts and just took off running. Smiles, like, she's like, like what? a little kid, like a little kid that just got like the two biggest ice cream cones in the store. It's like I'm gonna go run off with these right now. You're like, where'd she <laughs> like, go? Where are you going? Yes, oh, I loved it. I loved it. It's so fantastic to me. Um, congrats to Amanda, by yep, the way. But 100%. my feel good moment, my feel good moment of the year. Um, Sticking with the women, I mean, hell, they had a hell of a year. Yeah. And uh, Valentina Shevchenko, man, finally getting yeah. that UFC strap around her waist. After the most frustrating year possible, I think, for a fighter who is, like, trying to get that opportunity to just get in there and let me fight for the title. When in the entire lead-up to the Nico Montano fight, she's like, I won't be fighting her. She's not going to show up. Yeah, And I'm like... like, during the fight week while I'm there, I'm like, please stop saying this. Like, you're going to make it happen, right? And she's like, I don't think she's going to show up. I just don't think it. And then, of course, hey, look what happens. And then the Shajara fight falls apart. And then finally, finally, before the year ends, we get Joanna Shevchenko. And, hey, finally, like for the uncrowned champ to finally be the crown champ, like feels good. Feels good because, you know, she's such a good person, too. As well, I mean, say what you want about, you know, some people are a little off put about the whole gun thing. (laughs) But, hey. She's a badass, and she deserves she deserves to hold that that belt around her waist for sure. Ah, uh, well, as a Shevchenko fan, you know I don't hate that pick. That 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 was an awesome one. Hey guys, Dan Tom here. Sorry about the interruption. This episode just ran super long, so unfortunately I had to cut out a bunch of stuff, uh, including the listener submissions. So I definitely thank you guys. Apologize, and we'll save these submissions and we'll touch them on in the next episode. Uh, back to the show. Any closing words uh, on topic of the show or just you want to get off your chest in general as we head into 2019, guys? Jim? Um, no, just I hope uh, – I think it's going to be a big year for the sport again. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more stuff for fighters only. And, uh, yeah, just make sure you keep listening to this podcast because, for me, I listen to it every week because, for me, the uh, protecting that podcast – teaches me a lot of stuff I don't know about the sport. And, like, I really appreciate your breakdowns, Dan. I think you kind of shine a light on a lot of stuff that a lot of people like me who cover it from a non-technical uh, side of the sport actually appreciate. And so uh, keep doing your thing, man. Oh, man, that's way too kind. Uh, uh, but I, I, yeah, I do got to say, again, make sure you're, you're following following Jim's work and reading, reading his stories over there at Fighters Only. I, I, love, I just love seeing people who I've worked with, friends of mine, good people, hardworking people, uh, just just continue to to, 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 to pursue and, 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 and do and contribute, man, and that's great there. And uh, and Matt, anything you got to say? I know, I know you're killing it. Obviously, you know, we talked about the Slip and Dip podcast off at the top. That was really cool, by the way, seeing that retrospective picture where you had the, all the guests and you could see uh, that you posted. That was <laughs> awesome. But but in retrospect of this year, man, any, any, any last words, my friend? Um, no, man, just... And I'm incredibly grateful, incredibly grateful for everybody that they came on the podcast. You know, I went back and I was like, "Did Dan? Dan didn't come on this past year, so we got to change that up." Uh, 2019, <laughs> you actually snuck in in December, so yes, I was sir. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no worries. But yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, of course, Jim Jim came through as well. And all the fighters and trainers and everything is amazing. Amazing to to get these guys to come on, you know, just for a few minutes, because in the grand scheme of things, it's like we're a, a standalone podcast. Like we're not on any website, you know, or anything like that. So that's what it is. But uh, yeah, man, just, you know, for everybody out there listening, obviously you're listening to a fantastic podcast. And Dan also reminds me to stay in my lane when it comes to uh, trying to get too technical with stuff. <laughs> kind of like to what Jim was saying. Um, so I can echo that sentiment as well. But um Man, I'm just looking forward to another great year doing what we do. Um, and also, just everybody just keep in mind, like, we're we're not covering or we're not, you know, I guess, talking on an actual sport. Yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. This is, a, this is a sporting, it has a sporting term. element, but this is entertainment. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, PFL is the closest that this, that MMA will ever be as a pure sport. So, you know, even, even there's some stuff with that as well that yep. but like just I, I just want to see the education level across all the hashtag mma fans out there <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i hope so too but i think this is the year for it guys so um again i appreciate y'all coming with me and supporting support, supporting uh me through this journey as well i can't thank you enough i i don't want to i don't want to wax on too much here but you guys know you guys know that and uh Thank you, the listeners. Again, it's been a crazy year. Plenty more, more top fives, more breakdown shows. We'll get we'll get these two uh, gentlemen on. And shout out to before we go, Jordan Killian, who was supposed to join us. Um, uh, little one was a bit under the weather. Uh, nothing too crazy, but you know we're always wishing him the best. And I'm definitely going to be getting him back on sooner than later for a top five to, to make up for it. So we're all friends here, so I want to make sure to give him a shout uh, while we're all here. So. All right, guys, um, let's get out of here. Uh, we're going to have a good 2019. We touched on 2018, and you know you know the drill. Until next time, protect your necks.